Introducing Ethan Thuthian. The day is long. You can find him wearing his fear sucker suit, eating a Caesar salad while watching the spectacle this Saturday that is the horse race called Preakness. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Um, an old fr- you miss an old familiar face waiting. What's the, how's the, what's the line from Full House? You miss the old familiar friends waiting just around the bend. Is that the line from mm-hmm. the Full House? You miss your old familiar friends. Wait, am Waiting I right just around the bend. Is that the actual line? Everywhere you look. You. Right, right. I know, I know that part, but is that the actual line? Full House theme song. This is the important stuff. All the other stuff can wait. This is far more important than that. Full House theme song lyrics. You miss... Where is it? What? 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 It doesn't... I don't see it on here. I don't see it. I don't see it. I think we might have been wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm drunk. Maybe that's what's going on. Um, the moral is oh, that's the Fuller House. Th- oh, that who does that? Why would anyone ever want the Fuller House theme song lyrics when they search for the Full House? Google can go f. What is that? Who in their life has ever thought to themselves, you know, I want the Full House theme song lyrics, but if you instead give me the Fuller House theme song, I'll be just as happy. God. You miss. You miss your old familiar friends reading just around the bed. Look at that. We nailed it. We nailed it. All right. Well, I think we're done. <laughs> oh. Oh, we. I'm pretty sure. Oh, we thought we had to keep going, or that the same. I thought guy we just accomplished what we needed to accomplish. Uh, it, it, it's it's a successful day. I thought that was it. I um, thought we could just go home. Frankly, I think I think I looked this up in the past, and the same person that does the theme song for Full House uh-huh. also did the theme song for Family Matters. Well. It well, is, if that's true, they're the Kenny Loggins. That guy's got to be swimming sitcom. in a Scrooge McDuck style vault of money today. The, Man. Kenny, the Kenny Loggins God of bless. sitcoms. All right, um, uh, uh, old familiar friend is uh, is Griffin, who is uh, back with us in the studio today. We will talk more about that tomorrow on the program. Uh, today, he's just trying to to pick up a couple of things, but we will uh, discuss that a little bit further on tomorrow's program. In the meantime, much to do on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. I've got the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios up on Facebook. I'll get them up here on Twitter here in a minute. Brought to you, as always, by Glory Days Grill. Coming up in just a bit, our weekly visit to Bowie brings us Adam Hall, Orioles infield prospect, off to a great start to the season. I feel like we've kind of been waiting on Adam Hall for a minute, a guy that like got more attention a couple years ago. I don't really know why he kind of got lost in the shuffle, maybe just because... The batting had, average dipped. Yeah, that, but I also think that like the arrival of other infield mm-hmm. prospects sort of... And I think he was a little injured the last year or two. I mean, because you figure he had a, he had a nice right season that. in 2019. They, mm-hmm. he, they didn't play in 2020. He had some injuries last year, and then you also had Ortiz, Henderson, and Westberg but in the a, system. But he's only 22, and he's hitting over 300 to start the year at Bowie. Like, Brian Roberts vibes for me still, back when he started. Still a factor to me in the Orioles' future. We'll talk with Adam Hall. Uh, also coming up a little bit later on this hour, Muggsy Bogues is going to join us, the uh, Dunbar legend, and of course, um, one of the more phenomenal athletes in NBA history, obviously the shortest player in the history of the NBA, the Baltimore basketball icon will join us. He's in town tonight for a book signing as he has a new book out called Muggsy, My Life from a Kid in the Projects, The Godfather of Small Ball. I have gotten through, I believe, 11 chapters of this book. I got all the way through the Space Jam chapter because that was very important to me. 
Um, and uh, I've, I'll finish it at some point. It's a it's a very good read, and a lot of stuff I did not know as mu- as well as I knew Muggsy. I did not know. Like for example, I I think I knew, but I utterly forgotten that he actually didn't spend his first high school season at Dunbar. There was a lot of controversy involved with that before ultimately that uh, team that came together, the Dunbar boys. You saw the thirty for thirty a couple years ago with him and uh, Reggie Williams and the late Reggie Lewis and uh, David Wingate. So. We're going to talk to him about all that, and probably some NBA stuff as well. Of course, the Heat won Game 1 last night in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics being a bit depleted last evening. I was shocked to learn that Muggsy Bogues never made an All-Star team. Yeah, you know, it's funny because of his popularity. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, is that like you genuinely forget, like this is the crazy thing about Muggsy Bogues. He was good. He was not a gimmick in any way. He averaged double-doubles in some mm-hmm. seasons. Like It's nuts how good Muggsy Bogues was. There is an argument from from a certain sect that Muggsy Bogues should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And the problem is what they're really arguing is that it's somewhere between player and contributor, right? Because mm-hmm. a- as a player alone, it's hard to make the argument. Although, you know, his career was incredible, you couldn't really say player alone worthy of the Hall of Fame. But player alone combined with what an absolute phenomenon he was and the eyeballs that he brought to the NBA, and if you were a kid growing up, seeing this five-three dude scamper around the floor and look like like one of your buddies that was able to do it was very appealing to young people. And he was as big of a star to young people as just about anyone else in the game of basketball. He was in NBA Jam. He was in uh, Space, right, Space Jam. Jam. And, but he, he, never he was, an he was a pop culture figure. He's a huge pop culture figure. And he he was part of the reason why the Hornets. I know that like the colors had a lot to do with it too. Grandmama. But everybody remembers like everyone you knew owned a Hornet starter jacket, despite the fact that no one you knew was from Charlotte. Um, it was it was just this fascination that pop culture had with the those Hornets years. Look, we'll talk to Muggsy Bugs here in a bit um, about his book, which is available right now. Uh, also, later on in the program, Drew Forrester will join us. We'll talk some PGA Championship. It's one of the rare weeks where there's actually value in a conversation with Drew Forrester. And our weekly MLB draft segment this week, it's Jonathan Mayo, our buddy from uh, MLB Network and MLB Pipeline. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Drew Jones and what the Orioles might do with the number one pick. So that's all coming up on the program today. Um, the Orioles lose again last night, falling to the New York Yankees. Our one-minute man is going to be brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's where you're going to want to be for the final round of the PGA Championship this Sunday. It's where you want to be for all of the playoff action. It's where you want to be for the Rolando Romero-Gervonta Davis fight. It's where you want to be for the UEFA Champions League final. All of the big events that are coming up, Indianapolis 500, NCAA Lacrosse Championship. In the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Reserve your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com in order to reserve your table or your reclining chairs for you and you know your date or you and maybe your work crew or the boys, whoever it is that you want to bring out. Take advantage of the 61 self-service kiosks. Get your bets in in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Here's a one-minute man, Paul Valley. 
All right, so last night the Orioles lose a ball game 5-4. to four. Aaron Judge hits two home runs, whining and complaining along with Aaron Boone that it should have been three, but it's a create-your-own-ballpark. Meanwhile, they play in the bandbox, but that's neither here nor there. The important things that mattered yesterday, Austin Hayes returned to the lineup, and while he didn't get a hit, it helps with the defense. It will help with the lineup. We've noticed how bad the lineup's been without he and Mountcastle. Mountcastle hopefully will be back by this weekend. Same thing with Jorge Mateo and hopefully a certain catcher who we do not name yet. Mm-hmm. Excuse um, me. Uh, the other thing that mattered is you watched Spencer Watkins go out, and he went four innings. He gave up four hits, uh, two runs, three walks, only the one strikeout. Did allow one of those judge home runs. Uh, and why it mattered is because if you notice now, Grayson Rodriguez's uh, minor league schedule uh, lines up with Spencer Watkins. We've talked about Spencer Watkins being the most susceptible member of the rotation. The writing may be on the wall there if we're reading the tea leaves correctly. Of course, it's all speculation. But it matters because you could see Grayson Rodriguez before too long along with Adley Rutschman, although Trinos did get a hit last night. So, a couple of things. I know everybody's having fun with um, the Aaron Judge and uh, Aaron Boone comments from last night. I, I don't care. Th- this, is th- this is the problem, right? Like, we're naturally inclined to say, get the F out of here. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't, I still can't defend the way that left center field looks. Like, I can't. This is a this is a tricky part. We're like, yeah, you guys can go f yourselves, and I know what you're saying about their ballpark and what a joke it is. But this isn't about that. It, they're not wrong that it looks stupid. It just we 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 can't in our in our rush to say go f yourself to them. Mm-hmm. We can't pretend like this isn't a problem. If they made it's, it like a video board or something out there, s- but some eh, I don't care. The left field wall itself isn't as bothersome. It's the jut and left center yeah. field. Like it's. When you say like the create your own ballpark thing or whatever you want to build your own ballpark, that that, that is dumb. That does look minor league. That looks li- that that just looks incredibly stupid. Mm-hmm. Ballparks aren't supposed to look like that. They're not wrong about that. Now them bitching about the wall being moved or the the wall being moved back, they can go screw. I don't care about that mm-hmm. um, at all. But the actual look of it is bush league, and I've said that a billion times, and I'm not going to change my mind about it. No matter what, it's Bush League that they just threw threw part of the wall back and didn't move another part of the wall back and just sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, eh, good luck. It's you, stupid. It's always been stupid. Do you think it's something they revisit in I, the offseason? I, I like to hope so. I like to hope they were in a rush to get this done, and this is just what they had to do for one year. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing that I would just like them to say. Say, look, hey, we know. We're aware. We promise you we've got long-term plans to fix this. What I worry about is that the pain of moving a bullpen is so much that they just sort of say, eh, we just got to stick with this because it would cost us a lot of money to kind of redo the entirety of the ballpark and move one of the bullpens back. It's just not worth it to us. We're doing this deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what I worry about in relation to this thing is that we end up getting stuck with this disaster of a left center field at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Do you but think they moved it too far back? Don't care about that. No, I don't. No, I mean, okay. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, you know, somebody could present me some data that says, you know, it's it's nearly impossible to hit a home run to left field now, and it's robbed the Orioles of eight home runs. Uh, and it's and it's going to the the flip side argument is where I've said you need to be able to sign a pitcher. That the flip side argument will be well, like, what if? right-handed power hitters never want to come to Baltimore ever again, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't feel like they're going to be able to hit home runs. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, the way the Orioles draft all bats, I, I would guess I would say that like they, the ballpark needs to benefit 
the pitchers more than it needs to benefit the bats because you've got more of a chance of of bats developing and growing within the system than pitchers developing and growing mm-hmm. when you're not using high draft picks on pitchers. So I, I don't know. I, we, we can revisit that at the end of the year. I just right now to me it's just the the insanity of what they're doing in left center field. And I, I don't have any problem with anybody making fun of it because it, it needs to be said. There can't be anybody within the organization that sits down and says, you know, we'll just leave it as is. That's not okay. That cannot be the answer. It needs to be relentlessly made fun of throughout the course of the year because it's an abomination. Mm-hmm. It is an otherwise, we all know, beautiful ballpark with an abomination of a left center field jut that shouldn't exist anywhere within the sport. Is this a situation though where we can make fun of it because it's ours, but you can't? Nope. Nope. Because I'm not sure that they, until I know that they know, mm-hmm. I want them to be lambasted well, for they, it. They got to know. You say that. How do you know that? I don't know. <laughs> That's the point. Like, right. I don't know until they say, we get it. This isn't what we want. We're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. We're going to get rid of this thing, and we're going to curve it, or we're going to do whatever we can do in order to make it a a fence, a traditional outfield fence, instead of a choose-your-own-adventure in left center field. Mm-hmm. Until I hear that from them, I need it to be beat over the head in hopes that at some point there will be enough pressure for someone to acquiesce and say, okay, okay. We're going to fix it. I just I don't think that the people that should be doing the beating over the head are opposing teams, players, and managers. Cause I don't think the Orioles are going to give two craps about that. I disagree with that. I think that pressure throughout the sport, I think you forget that the people that make these decisions are going to end up working with these other teams too. Mm-hmm. I think we insulate ourselves and we feel like it's nobody it, – screw everybody else. And then you forget that everyone within baseball is going to need a job somewhere else in a couple of years. It's, it's like the way that people want to think the media exists. Like back in the day, I know it doesn't exist this way anymore. Back in the day, everybody wanted to believe that like if you listened to a favorite radio station, then they hated everybody that worked at another radio station. Mm-hmm. When the reality was like, hey, we might need a job from that radio station at some point. We don't hate them. Like it doesn't work that way. We're, we're probably going to go out and get drinks with them later today. They, they don't exist in the same form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Fan base wants to make fun of it, but by all means. Make fun of screw the Yankees. I hate the Yankees, but they're right about this. Not about the distance. That's not a problem. What they're right about is that it looks like a build your own ballpark. It looks like a six year old made that. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't, the pieces don't fit. Ah, the hell with it. We'll just do it anyway. It's a joke. And we have to acknowledge that it's a joke what's going on in left center field, or it won't get fixed. It needs to be fixed. It's terrible. It is embarrassing. I get it. People got mad at me because I used the word crisis talking about the Ravens wide receiver situation. You all have to know because we do this, there's a stupid microphone in front of me. There's an amount of performance theater. Trust me. I sleep fine knowing what the Orioles left center field wall looks like. I assure you it's of no real, uh, I don't know, problem in my life. I don't, I don't lose a, a wink of sleep thinking about the Orioles left center field wall. But when the subject comes up, I get bothered by it again because it's a joke. It's a joke that that's what the ballpark looks like. That all being said, the game itself, who cares? Um, The ongoing saga, the never-ending saga of when Adley Rutschman might be a baseball player, 
still nothing. We still sit back and wait, which starts to make you wonder if Friday is in play. Because, again, why would you wait until Wednesday to announce Friday? How does that behoove you? They owe us nothing. They owe us nothing. That's fine. They don't. But it just starts making you think. The first date we thought it might be? Nope. The second date? Was it Rock Kabatko said yesterday? Well, it's not a certainty they even debut him at home. Blow it all up, man. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I was like, you, what are, you what are be we all doing? Me. Like, I, I, and we'll get to it because it's going to pop up in Would You Rather Wednesday. But what are we doing here? Like, what is going on? What is happening? I said, somebody said to me last night, so apparently they've got StatCast at the Charlotte ballpark, and so everybody was hot and bothered because you were seeing these these StatCast numbers from the, the Norfolk game last night, and somebody said, do you think they were purposely trying to get him to Charlotte so they could get that data? And I'm like, what? His home what? run was a harder hit ball than any <laughs> Oriole hit this year. What in the world? What? <laughs> what are we doing? What is this? See, I'm not I'm not even that bad. I'm so confused. I'm so befuddled by what is going on in relation to Adley Rutschman. I can't possibly describe it, but I am at this point I, I don't know. If you ask me to bet on Friday, I I think it's a 50-50 at best. If it was Friday, why wouldn't they have announced that? Why are they holding this in such secrecy? And it, as I keep saying, every day that we don't know more allows for more wonderment, allows for more confusion, allows for more conspiracy nonsense. Like, I just don't get it at all. I don't understand this. And it definitely makes me question everybody who said he would have been here on opening day. At that, at this point, I have no idea how that could be true. How could it possibly be true that Adley Rutschman would have been here on opening day and yet isn't here at this point? How is, how can those two things, as I said, and I know I said this yesterday, those two things do not equate. If he was ready to be here on opening day, he would be ready to be here now. This this does not compute, man. He is ready to be here now. Just they won't bring him up. So then why were they going to bring him up on opening day? Yeah. I mean, so th- th- I I got uh, nothing. Here, here's the thing: even if I'm shrugging my sh- shoulders because I just don't get it. I I went to bed last night very upset with my wife. Oh, because Uh-oh. Uh-oh. we get the dog on Friday. Okay, and I am off Friday night. And if Adley Rutschman debuts, she is not letting me go to the game. Ooh. And then f- Ooh. and then furthermore, Ooh. if Grayson Rodriguez somehow debuts on Sunday. I actually have a baseball game. I have a ticket for that Orioles game, yeah, but I, I have a baseball game, and I, I'm the pitcher, so I can't go. Um, and I have to miss both debuts. Well, I, I'm and not, that's what's going to happen, because I can't I'm, have nice I'm, I'm not particularly convinced. I'm definitely not. I'm, like, I think there's about a 20% chance of that uh, with Grayson Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, he was incredible last night. I hear you. He's, he's very good. Yeah. I, have, I have no doubt about that. How many pitches did he throw? 87 pitches, okay. 11 strikeouts, right, no runs. That certainly would suggest that he probably could throw 80 pitches at the major league. I mean, I, they, they probably wouldn't let him. I don't know what they would let him do. I don't know. I just don't know that answer. I don't know that answer. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe. But 
I, I don't know how I feel about any of it. I have no clue how I feel about any of it. Uh, Orioles will continue their series with the Yankees tonight. It's uh, Garrett Cole and Jordan Lyles, the pitching matchup for Game 3, is. The Orioles try to shake what is now ballooned out to a five-game losing streak uh, dating back to the start of the Tigers series and sort of washing away all of the, uh, the excitement, the goodwill of the previous stretch, including that series down in St. Louis. Today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. It's time for us to make our weekly trip to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. Our next guest is off to a hot start this season, hitting 306. He is Orioles infield prospect, Mr. Adam Hall, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Adam, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you as always, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back, dude. Um, Adam, give me a sense. You know, getting sort of back into the swing of things after a couple of kind of strange years within the system. I know it was a bit of a down year for you. How good have you felt getting off to the start that you've gotten off to at the AA level this year? Uh, honestly, statistically, it's been nice, of course. I mean, seeing the batting average over 300 is always uh, good to look up and see. But uh, uh, in terms of how I want to feel, uh, I felt like I'm not quite there yet. A couple okay. adjustments still to be made. Uh, getting, getting some lucky stuff to fall early. Had a <laughs> had a nice uh, three infield hit game. So it's always nice to get those at the start of the year to get that batting average up. But uh, I'd like to start hitting some stuff a little bit harder. Here. All right, all right, you have to explain how did the three infield hit game work? Like, where did they all go? And <laughs> and do you and like when you have a night like that, do they give you crap coming back to the dugout at some point? Like, do they do they do they point out the <laughs> the luck that you're experiencing? Uh, well, um. Sometimes I mean no one, no one's ever mad about it. I mean a lot of it is like hey like take it while you can get it like yeah, you're gonna okay. line out eventually. So what, uh, but sorry, what were that? they all cued? Like were they all ch- like what, what, what <laughs> the various infield hits went where? Uh, I think the first one was a slider off the end that I kind of pulled towards shortstop. Uh, and the second one was actually uh, it was a bunt. So I guess that one's got a bit of an excuse. And then the the last one was kind of like a, a bit of a jam shot towards first base that the first baseman and the pitcher got a little confused on. Hey man, hey man, it, it, it counts. Home, home scorekeeping helped out with that. It counts. You take it. There is no <laughs> one. It's, it's, Fifteen years down the road, nobody's ever going to remember the way that those things played exactly, out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adam, you know, so so you know, when you say, is it just barreling the ball? Is is that what you want to do? Is it more solid contact? What what are the big priorities for you now moving forward yeah i mean obviously it's always barreling the ball but uh for like for me it's more so just uh getting adjusted to the double a pitching a little bit better i mean it, it, it's definitely a whole different level than high a and that's nothing that uh, i didn't expect coming into it but yeah just being able to kind of whether it's like approach base being able to pick out pitches better or just like a pure like getting used to the level of pitching the double is he is Adam Hall, the Bowie Bay Sox. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Adam, you know, what? what is it specifically that was maybe the most difficult thing for you over the last couple of years between 
you know, this, the strange nature of 2020 and, mm-hmm. and you, I, I think there was an injury in there if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> how, how, what was the most difficult thing for you to go through? And, and do you feel like at this point that you've kind of faced enough of these like tribulations and trials that you're in a better place? Like, do you feel your own maturity on the other side of it? Um, yeah, well, in terms of what the most difficult thing that I've gone through so far is, it's definitely been the COVID year, kind of being stuck in Canada for that. Uh, we ha- we were hit pretty heavy with the restrictions there, um, just not seeing any live pitching for almost a year and a half. Yeah, like right at like that was that was a big year for me that was supposed to happen that year. So yeah, that 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 was tough. Like definitely trying to get back into game shape, trying to get the eyes back into game shape after so long off. Um, but yeah, alongside with the injuries and then, and then this year I, I actually, I'm just coming back from having COVID and then having to deal with the protocols with that, even though I, I was feeling fine. So hopefully now there's not going to be any more little speed bumps like that, but I guess we'll see that's baseball. There's always, there's always that adversity. And like you said, the maturing, is how how you're able to deal with that. So what would you do when when you had covid? You said you feel fine. Mm-hmm. You but you're obviously you got to stay isolated. Are you where, where are you living this year? Uh yeah, so th- they've actually got us set up in some apartments. Okay. Some guys are kind of in Annapolis. Uh I'm in Odenton and uh I want to say there's another group in Hanover. Okay. So so how do you spend your like was it 5 days? Is that how long it was? No, it was 10 days. Oh, you <laughs> still had to do 10 days. Oh my god. So how do you yep. sp- as a baseball player, how do you spend 10 days cooped up inside of an apartment? A lot of MLB the show. Hey man, that's <laughs> it's worst ways to spend 10 days, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I would need to get out at some point. Like, did you find yourself like tempted to just be like, hey, nobody would know if I just sneak out and go for a walk? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I went for walks around the apartment, but like I wasn't going out to, to the movies or anything. Right, right. <laughs> like nothing like that. But yeah, I mean, getting outside and just, you know, being, a, being away from people, that's no problem. You're able to yeah. go through something like that. Adam, um, defensively, how much do you feel like you've grown? And and do you feel like you've proven that you are a shortstop and potentially a shortstop of the future for this organization? Uh, well, I mean, I, I haven't played much shortstop lately, that, I'll be honest. That, I, that I, would make it tough, yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say my best answer for you right now is that I, I'm working to play any position possible like, at this point. Um played a lot of outfield in spring training uh okay so tell me about base. tell me where, where that's come because i remember it was a little bit more second base a year ago mm-hmm. but is it is it just kind of anywhere this season like have you just really been playing a bunch of different spots uh yeah to start the year it was more so like kind of everywhere like even corner outfield which was a, a little scary to me at first because you get those nice sinking line drives uh on the corners there um but uh, as of now, it should be more so kind of like second base, center field, and then kind of mixing in wherever if needed. How difficult has that been for you trying to learn all of these various different spots and not really being able to just sort of get comfortable at one of them? Honestly, I, I really like it. I mean, for me, it kind of allows me, like, I, I'm big into, like, knowing where to go on plays like as a kid that was always my thing like 
I would I would be thinking about it like before the play, like where am I going if this happens? Where am I going if this happens? So like being able to do that from every position to me is it, it, I enjoy that and just being able to you know like play a different position every day potentially that also kind of keeps things fresh and it's fun for me I like it okay I mean is there is there something that you've learned about I guess let's center yeah, center and, and second is mm-hmm. there something that you've learned about either of those positions that you genuinely had no expectation for that like just because you know, you you had you had been a shortstop for a while. Like you you didn't you didn't have a feel for a certain thing about that particular position. Right. Uh, I, I'd say the outfield is how much backing up there actually is to do on plays. That okay. You might not realize that outfielders are doing just because you're watching the play go down in the infield or whatever. Yeah. There, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot a lot of bases that can be covered there. I mean, no doubt, right? Like, yeah. things can go... What, there was a... Oh, my God. I'm trying to think of where it was. There was a play the other day that involved... Oh, God. Yeah, Paul, do you remember the... Who was it that, that hit a ground ball to short and ended up on third base and would have come home had the center fielder not literally made a diving play? There were three errors. I think it was the Nationals. There were, like, three errors on the same play, the last one being the catcher throwing it back to second. And if the center yeah. fielder had not made a literally like an amazing diving play in order to stop the ball, it would have been a Little League home run on a ground ball to short. I, there you go. I saw the um, the Tigers lose a game with a guy. Well, yeah, that was. Yeah, I, I remember stole that. Stole second one. on the yeah. overthrow, stole third on that, yeah. went to third, and then overthrow yep. the third. And he I remember that one. Yeah, win the game. But it's the type of thing. It's like you literally have to be like in in tune on every play, no matter where the ball is, right? It's, yep. I mean, <laughs> much, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. That's a. It's a. Do you feel like that versatility is maybe your path now to the bigs? Yeah, I I do think so. I think that's that's my. That's my moneymaker, if there is one. <laughs> I mean, I get it, dude. It, it's worked for a lot of dudes to say, hey, look, there's a lot of things. This spot on the roster is really valuable. The guy that can play just about any position for you in order to get somebody else a, a day off, it's an incredibly valuable spot on the roster as you move forward. Adam Hall yep. with us here on GCR. We'll tell you more about what's coming up with the Bowie Bay Sox. Adam, um, you know, you, the, the excitement within the organization – and what's been going on these last couple of years? How much have you guys felt that from top down? I know that that you've kind of been a little bit behind, say, Adley for the most part. But has mm. has it permeated kind of throughout the organization all that excitement? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, for for I think it's a little more um, evident for myself, like looking around and seeing it, just because I've been in the orgs since 2017, and I, I don't know. I think we've gone from almost the last ranked farm system to the top ranked farm system since then. So seeing all the, seeing all these dudes that we're bringing in here and playing with a fair number of them, I did I did get to see the the Adley hype train in uh, right. Delmarva. We we had to uh, <laughs> we had to fence off our clubhouse for the first time when, <laughs> when he showed up there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know he was there. Were, were you were you there when he was there a couple weeks ago, or were you out? Was that when you were out with COVID? That, that was. This was back in. Uh, this would have been 2019, actually. I know. I'm. I'm saying when he was at Bowie a couple weeks oh, ago. 
No, I, I that was when I was when you were out with COVID. Well, yeah. and then so you didn't get to experience like the Beatlemania of that week. No, I, <laughs> where, unfortunately, it's like a traveling rock band, man. It's <laughs> not so it yeah. happens. Hey, tonight the Bay Sox host Woof Wednesday. Bring your pup to the ballpark. Every Wednesday night game is Woof Wednesday, um, and they're home throughout the week. Tomorrow night is College Colors Night and happy hour before the game with $2 Bud and Bud Light drafts. And then events this weekend include Girl Scout Camp Out. Oh, I like that. As well as uh, Saturday fireworks and kids run the bases. And on Sunday, Fiesta de Mayo, which is a little bit off of Cinco de Mayo, but they were away, so they scheduled it for now, as well as a fans run the bases event. Get your tickets for all of these things by going to BaySox.com. Um, Adam, uh, remind uh, Orioles fans where they can follow you on social media. Uh, Twitter, Instagram might not get posted much, but check it out if you want to. It's it's <laughs> it's Halsey underscore ninety nine on Twitter, correct? Yep, correct. Yep, give him a follow right there. Um, I I, I leave you. We try to have uh, some fun. It's been a little while, Adam. Are you like because you're a Canadian kid? Are you? Uh, are, I know you're a baseball player, but are you uh, uh, like are you uh, in nature a hockey fan? Uh, I'm a huge hockey fan. So yeah. how like in tune what 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 is life look like for you as far as the playoffs are concerned? Who are you rooting for? Who do you <laughs> care about in a particular way? Give me the rundown. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. Oh, are you are you Maple I'll, are you Maple Leaf fan? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm uh, I'm so I'm so sorry, pal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a that's a bit of tough luck having to run into Tampa in the first round, by the way. Hey, I mean, I grew up as a kid being a diehard fan every year, watching pretty much every game, and never seeing them finish above 500 or make the playoffs. So when I, whenever they lose out in the first round, I just think of those times. Yeah, 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 this is better than, like, you still get to watch Austin Matthews night in and night out, and, like, that does yeah. not suck, but... Um, yeah, I can only imagine how much pain. Hey, man, I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan, so uh, I'm, okay. I'm feeling some pain right now at the moment as well. Steve Nash guy then get some Canadian action? You know, it's so funny because once upon a time, truth, I hated Steve Nash because as a kid, <laughs> he played at Santa Clara, and he knocked Maryland out of the NCAA tournament one year, and, uh, and nobody okay. saw it coming because, like, there's no way Santa Clara can beat Maryland in the NCAA tournament. That can't happen. But nobody knew just how great Steve Nash was. So, yeah. I, like, it took me a minute when I got I moved to Phoenix. I grew up in Maryland. I moved to Phoenix to work in 06. And, you know, we didn't have a basketball team in Baltimore growing up. So I, mm-hmm. I, I was like, I just fell in love. It was Steve Nash and, and Sean Merriman or Sean Marion. And uh, Amari Stoudemire, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much fun and so exciting. Uh, and, of course, they lost in the playoffs every year, and so I got indoctrinated <laughs> to what life was going to be like. But, yeah, it was, it was a tough thing for me to embrace uh, the Canadian icon that is Steve Nash because I still – and I remember telling him about it one day in the locker room, like, dude, I really like you. But I just got to be, be straight with you. It took me a minute to not hate you because I still think about that stupid game from that NCAA tournament when I was a kid. All right, uh, Adam Hall, appreciate you taking the time, man. Continued success to you. I promise I'll actually check to make sure I know where you're playing position-wise the next time before <laughs> we talk. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for doing it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Adam Hall, the Bowie Bay Sox, checking in with us here on GCR. All right, uh, when we come back in, we're going to chat with the great Muggsy Bogues. That's on the way tonight. Stan the Fan Charles and Gary Stein are going to catch up with the new athletic director at Towson University, Dr. Stephen Eigenbrot. You'll be able to find that, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. 
If you miss it live, you'll see it tomorrow, pressboxonline.com slash video or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. And if you missed it earlier in the week, uh, speaking of the Bowie Bay Sox, Stan and Ross caught up with assistant GM Phil Rye and broadcaster Adam Pohl. That show available right now in those same locations. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, O's fans, 2022 Orioles single game tickets are on sale now. Come celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards with tickets starting as low as $10. Relive your favorite moments and make new memories this season. Choose from your favorite homestands when the O's take on the New York Yankees, Washington Nationals, and Boston Red Sox, or fan favorite giveaways like Birdland Hawaiian shirt and collectible bobbleheads. Experience the ballpark that forever changed baseball. Buy now at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at press box sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today if you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. We continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of GCR, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The scenarios are up on Twitter and Facebook right now for you to participate. Again, someone who does participate 
We'll be chosen at random to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Had to do this a little bit earlier on because of uh, his schedule getting into town and getting ready for a book signing tonight, but an opportunity to catch up with a uh, phenomenon and one of the uh, the biggest legends in Baltimore basketball history. He is Muggsy Bogues right here on GCR. Well, it is a pleasure to be joined now here on GCR by an absolute Baltimore icon, and he has a new book available right now. I'm holding it up. It's called Muggsy. My life from a kid in the projects to the godfather of small ball. He is the pride of Dunbar. He is the great Muggsy Bogues, and he's with us on GCR. Muggsy, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Oh, Glenn, thanks for having me. Um, I got to tell you, I am not finished yet. I just got through the Space Jam chapter, so I believe I'm, uh, I think I'm 11 chapters in. I, I have learned things about you that as much as we've known you here over the years, I did not know. And I don't want to give all of it away, but I have to talk to you about I had no idea that you had been the victim of a shooting when you were a kid growing up in Baltimore. And I know it could have been far worse. It was just a buckshot. But, my God, man, I would imagine being a, an undersized basketball player cannot compare at all to knowing what you had been through at a young age in your life. Yeah, that was a challenge for me growing up in the inner city of Baltimore. You know, where I came from, I was growing up in the projects of Lafayette. I mean, outside your door was a challenge. Uh, but, you know, that was just the atmosphere that we, you know, that we was grown, that we knew. Um, it felt normal for me, unfortunately, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. A young boy, I mean, a fight had broken out outside the apartment building. One of the boys took a rock and broke one of the store owners' windows. And he came running out with his, you know, went to his shed and grabbed his double-barrel shotgun and just started shooting. Fortunate the bullet missed my head, but unfortunately the buckshot hit me. So Unreal. That was an experience. Unreal, man. And, and you were like, what, you were five at that point? Holy, holy mackerel, man. Like this story. You know, it, Muggsy, I, I bring this up to, to, to put it into context. As I, as I read the opening chapters of the book, I started thinking, would do you think you would have been able, knowing what you had to do in order to succeed at your size and do something completely unprecedented? There have been undersized players, but not your size, right? Did you right. need the the upbringing and the toughness? We use the term Baltimore tough a lot. Did you need that in order to become the phenomenon that you ultimately became in your basketball career? Absolutely. I mean, that's where it all stems from, my upbringing. Uh, the confidence that I was able to, to gather during my journey. Uh, being able to go through all the adversity and all the hearing, all the naysayers, I mean, that's what fueled me more than ever. Um, I felt like, you know, it was more so just wanting to prove everybody wrong that a kid that my size was capable of playing uh, the game just like anybody else. And I always said that in, in, it's just a matter of uh, you have the ability to play it. If you have the ability to impact the game the same way, then you need to be out there with those guys. And my attitude was if I played against the best, I have success against the best, I must be included with the best. Were you ever, Muggsy, worried that you just like weren't going to get the... I mean, you referenced that there were some people that didn't believe in you, but were you ever worried that no matter what you did, that it just might not work out for you because you would be prevented simply because of your size? Well, I didn't have that thought process. You know, I always kept believing that, you know, you just continue to keep breaking down the barriers. Um, the game of basketball is a team game. Um, it's all made up of position, and the position I played was the point guard, which more or less the extension of a coach. And that gathered a lot of responsibility. And having the ability 
to understand that role and how to make guys around you better as well as get your stuff off at the same time. It allowed me to have a high IQ of the game and allowed me to keep climbing up the ladder. Again, the book is Muggsy, My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball. It's available right now. We're going to link up to it on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, so you can get it. Uh, Muggsy, I admittedly had also forgotten that you didn't spend your first year in high school at Dunbar, and there was some controversy involved with that. Um, are, are you still convinced that maybe somebody somebody didn't want you necessarily to be at Dunbar <laughs> during all of that? Well, I, I believe that one year they didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, at that time, you know, people don't realize that when it was time to go to high school, uh, just the year before they start sending kids to their zone school. And unfortunately for me, I got sent down to Southern, even though Dunbar was right across the street from my house. Uh, Reggie Lewis, Reggie Wands, as well as David Wingate, yep. we all got sent to other places. But they was fortunate enough to gather their records, to get their records to be transferred down to the school. But when we went to go locate mines at Southern, unfortunately they was gone. And I think uh, maybe the... The coach and the rest of the coach has something to do with it. <laughs> well, it worked out for you, ultimately. <laughs> and you got to spend incredible magic years, obviously, at Dunbar. You know, I was just, uh, I was just chatting with Sam uh, Cassell the other day, and, and, and it was fascinating after, particularly having read your book and listening to him talk about it. I, I don't know that people around here anymore, unfortunately, the way that like private schools have kind of started dominating the basketball world, maybe understood what it meant to be a Dunbar basketball player in in the 1980s. Can you put into words what it meant to you? And obviously it was more, you know, especially as you detail your relationship with Reggie Williams, to be around those guys, but what it just meant to, to anyone your age to be part of the Dunbar basketball program. Well, that was the big dream. I mean, as a kid, wanted to play at Dunbar. I mean, Dunbar had that reputation. You know, even though it was a school in our neighborhood, but it was a citywide school. You had to uh, apply for a dental um, degree. A uh, degree you had to be interested in dentistry in order to go to Dunbar, uh, and that was you know a stickler for a lot of folks. And but for us, we just happened to live in the area. You know, it's not like today's game where everybody out here recruiting trying to form this superpower team. We all lived in the neighborhood. Myself, David, Reggie Williams, Reggie Lewis. Uh, we all lived in the projects, which was surrounded by the, the school. Um, so being able to be part of that organization and be part of that program was very special. Because Coach Wade had, you know, he put a, I mean, he had a pretty strong organization going on there where he had a lot of success and a lot of players that were successful came through that. So that's all we wanted to do. You know, my entire family went to Dunbar, so that was a, a dream that came true for me. Wow, it's powerful to hear you talk about that. Um, reading you talk about the bricks and what that did for you. Um, I was joking with Sam the other day. I said, hey, man, did you make Sam Jr. everyone with the bricks? Like, I, I feel like there are guys that could maybe use it. But it was fascinating, you know, reading you talk about what it genuinely did, that it tr- you truly felt like it translated in game situations, the experience that you guys got running with those bricks. Oh, absolutely. You know, and back then, you know, Coach Wade, he just he had that vision be, you know, beyond we ever thought because he experienced it all. We just didn't have the equipment in order to get the things done that he wanted to, to accomplish. So he, he, you know, he used his imagination, and the imagination was getting those bricks, some sandbags, and trying to mentally get us tough 
uh, for the game of basketball. You know, those bricks helped out with our fourth quarter. You know, them, that ball became part of our hand. Uh, mm-hmm. We wouldn't turn the basketball over. I mean, we felt stronger. And then with those sandbags, I mean, we felt like, you know, gosh, the game was still go on because we was in so much condition and a great condition in terms of how coach prepared us. I mean, we were just fully prepared for any situation. I think that bricks and those sandbags took our minds away from the game and, and, and trained us in the other areas that we desperately needed. I mean, it, it, it worked out quite obviously. You guys, you didn't lose. <laughs> like, it definitely worked during your time at Dunbar. Muggsy Bogues is with us here on GCR. Again, the book is Muggsy. Um, you know, Muggsy, we, we talk about the improbability of what it is that you ultimately did during the course of your career. And I, I think people forget, like, you scored, too. Like, you had double-digit <laughs> point seasons. It wasn't just you distributing the ball. Um, are, are you at all surprised that there has been no one? I mean, we've seen other talented, uh, especially coming out of Baltimore, undersized players. But... It's not like you were a gimmick or something like that. You were an incredible player for a long time. Are you surprised that that no one else, five five or under, has been able to replicate that? Yeah, I'm really surprised, especially kids from Baltimore. And one of the things I constantly try to emphasize to all the kids here, and when I always talk to the youth, is how to play the game the right way, especially at a small point guard. I mean, we all can't play the game the way the bigger guys play it. And I thought we had a couple kids that almost had that opportunity, you know, the the likes of the Akil Carr. Mm-hmm. You know, Kill was one of the special players that was coming up. We got a kid now, Donnell Rogers, who I love. I'll tell you how he came up during our time. Uh, but his son, Donnell, has an opportunity yep. as well as my grandson. My grandson, uh, Fat Man, uh, Samartine, bro. So we trying to get them to understand, you know, it's a little more than scoring. You got to be more than scoring. You got to impact this game on the defensive aspect of it, as well as knowing how to run that team and make guys around you better. I think when you looked upon in that light, now coaches start to see a kid can run my program, um, as opposed to a kid just trying out there and just, you know, look more for himself. Is it, is it something that you, that you end up saying to yourself, Hey, look, if this is my thing, if I'm only the ever guy, like that, that that's 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 powerful. It speaks more to the legacy that you'll have for 30 years, or to to what you're saying. Do you say no? I don't. I want there to be more guys like me that get this opportunity because they they deserve that. They have the talent to do it. Absolutely. I want. Yeah. I don't want to hold this this title. I don't want this. I want that next kid who's out there, and I think it may happen because we got this game is such a global. Uh, uh, entry in terms of so many people are interested in this game and where we kind of open it up around the world. And we got kids now that's in the Philippines thinking about it. The kids that's in India thinking about it. You know, that we consider small stature individuals. So hopefully uh, we can have someone represent, you know, the small, smaller stature as opposed to just being small at six feet tall. Um, but I, you know, I believe so. Hopefully it could happen, you know, during my lifetime because. We do have a lot of talented kids that's coming up, and, and I think, you know, if we continue to keep spreading the message and letting them know how to play this game the right way, and, and that's one of the things I'm totally emphasizing with my grandson, um, how to play this game the right way because he's a senior right now. And, yep. um, he's at that stage, and I want to make sure that he understands going forward 
how to continue to climb the ladder. I know he was. Can you give me an update on him? I know he was at Calvert Hall and was turning some heads. What What's going on with your grandson these days? Uh, yeah, he's about to enter a new school called uh, Spears in Ohio State. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's going down there to. I think it's going to be a good opportunity for him. Um, how they train, how they prepare, and how they uh, put them on a on on a good stage. And you know, one thing I'm also proud of how he continue to keep his academics at a high standard that's awesome. and that's something that we continue to stress i'm so i'm proud of him you uh, there's two guys i wanted to ask you about uh well, i just uh, keep you for another minute or two here it's mugsy bugs he's with us on gcr uh one of course being i, I gotta imagine i know who it is that you're rooting for the rest of the way in the <laughs> nba playoffs um the 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 young man that once gave your daughter a diamond ring all those years ago, I gotta imagine you're you're probably still pulling for your your buddy Steph Curry, right? It's... Oh well, you know, he, he, I had to have him do my fall with it. So, yeah. you know, I gotta be able to pull for him. But yes, that's um, uh, you know, I had my heart was with Steph, and I was hoping that CP could possibly get one um, before he exit. Um, but you know, I always believed in Steph, and I believe in that organization. I just. You know, the things that he's able to accomplish, uh, man, it's just mind-boggling to me. So for him to still to be in it and then still to be there, boy, and for me to also be uh, a former player of the Golden State Warriors, you know, I want to see them win. Muggsy, did you know, like at a certain point, maybe before other people did, that, that Steph was special in a way that people, you know, and it's not, it's not directly comparable to you because clearly he's taller than you are, but... <laughs> you know, in a way that's similar to you and that he was being overlooked because of his size. Did you know at a younger age how special he was? Well, special in a way where I knew how special he could shoot the basketball. Yeah. Uh, he always was small, and he always, you know, small stature, I should say, because he was just a uh, slender. Um, and he, you know, as a kid, he just felt like he just wanted to get the 5 foot 3 that he could make it to the NBA, and that was something that <laughs> always amazed me that, you know, I changed that perception that no one don't want to be six feet tall anymore. But just watching him over the years and watching him, you know, shoot the basketball, you know, all the way up to the age of 12, I mean, uh, high school. And then when Dell his 10th grade year, Dell changed his shot and put it up above his shoulders, that was, that that really took it to a new level. Uh, but really from this play from Davidson, it, it just really let me know that he belongs on that big stage because the performance that he was displaying out there, yep. it gave him the confidence, and then that really showed us that he was ready for that next level. Well, yeah, and it turns out he's one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then you mentioned Chris Paul, obviously, and... You know, I, I know there's a, a personal relationship there, and you, you know it's been there's been a lot of people that have come out of the woodworks this week with a lot of things to say about Chris Paul. W what do you make of all of the criticism that he faces for having not won a championship? I, I, it's amazing to me that we're blocking out the fact that he's he's in his he's one of the greatest point guards in the history of the game. He's he's at this elevated place in his life, and he's still been able to play at such a high level. And yet, everybody's just using this as a way to kind of take shots at Chris Paul. Well, Chris is not worried about any of that. He's really secure with himself, his career. I mean, he just had a, a little bad, a, probably a bad week and a half um, in terms of the playoffs concern. Um, he turned 37 things. People kind of point out saying that everything went downhill from there. But, you know, that happens in a game of basketball. He realizes he's getting older. Chris going to be back. He understands what what it takes, um, it wasn't just him. It was the entire team that didn't show up. 
but he always would take the credit, I mean, take the blame for it because he's the point guard and he feels like he's responsible for that. Um, but Chris is fine. Chris going to be fine. I mean, the career that he's had, I mean, of course, is a Hall of Fame career. Um, it's mind-boggling that people out here taking shots at Chris right now. But his number speaks for itself. Um, his years, his play, um, being the you know top of his, 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 his I mean, top of his, his position for the 17 years that he's been in the league speaks volumes. So, um, uh, like I said, it comes with the territory when you don't have good games, and he understand that. Uh, he will ride it. He it out. Um, it's just a little conversation right now. And once he get back on the court and start dishing out 17 assists and putting up 20 points again, you know, things are shut back down again. How many times in your life to this day do you still have somebody approach you? It's it's funny you brought up Darnell earlier because I actually remember talking to him and him saying, of course I know Muggsy Bogues, Space Jam. Um, like how many times do you still have people walk up to you and, and they know you as the guy from Space Jam <laughs> as much as they know you from anything you did in your basketball career? Well, from the ages from six to about thirty, that's probably yeah. what they remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I'm just a Space Jam guy that, you know, got his fame on on the movie scene. Uh, not even knowing that I had a basketball career, but uh, but that's all good and dandy. That's fine. It gives opportunity for them to do a little research. Uh, but it's you know that just come with the territory. I'm assuming I've been away from the game yeah. over twenty plus years, so um, that's that's normal. But it's just good to to have those opportunities where people still recognize you and being able to talk about the journey that you were able to go beyond. The book, again, is Muggsy. My life from a kid in the projects to the godfather of small ball. It is available right now, and you can get it. We have linked it up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter to find it on Amazon. Muggsy, what else can we b- plug for you? Anything else you got going on that we can put a word in for you about? Well, yes. I have a, I'm in Baltimore. Here in town and visiting all the home awesome. folks and all my family. I got a book signing uh, Wednesday, May the 18th here at Ball One at from 6 to 8 for my new memoir. So I hope everybody could come out and hang out with me and um, catch up a little bit and, and enjoy the book. It's a good read. And um, so... I'll be thankful, you know, to see everybody out. That's Bar One on Lancaster Street tonight from 6 to 8 for you to get your copy of Muggsy signed by the man himself. Muggsy Bogues, great to catch up with you, man. I have really enjoyed reading the book. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. Let's do it again uh, soon, all right? Absolutely, again. Thanks a lot for having me, partner. It's the great Muggsy Bogues checking in with us here on GCR. And again, you can go pick up the book right now. And we've linked uh, it up on our Twitter account at Glenn Clark Radio for you to get your hands on or to get down there for the book signing tonight and uh, meet a true Baltimore basketball icon, one of the great phenomenons in the history of the sport. He is Muggsy Bogues. All right, Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios are up on Twitter and Facebook. I feel like they might have gotten lost a little bit as we were uh, tweeting out some quotes, so I will try to retweet them here in a second. Get your responses in. Somebody is going to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Uh, When we come back in, we are going to talk some MLB draft with Jonathan Mayo, MLB Network, MLB Pipeline. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Hey, O's fans, break out the orange and black to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Watch the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays May 20th through the 22nd. Get to the yard early on May 20th when the first 10,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary tumbler presented by Masson. A variety of ticket options are available, including the Orioles Flexible Ticket Bank, Kids Cheer Free, and more. Visit Orioles.com slash tickets to find a ticket option that's right for you. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. We continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. We've been trying to do MLB draft segments every week, and we're going to look to continue that straight up through All-Star Weekend when this year's MLB draft will be held. It's good to catch up with our next guest. I know he was a little under the weather recently. Glad he's feeling a bit better. He is our friend Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com, MLB Pipeline, MLB Network. He's back with us on GCR. Jonathan, it's Glenn and Paul. Great to catch up with you, bud. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. I'm, 
I'm glad to be healthy enough to do it. Yeah, right, man. I'm glad. I, you, I, I was a little nervous there for a second. I hope every you, you feeling all right. I'm doing okay. COVID is no joke. All right, take it seriously, and I appreciate that, man. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Jonathan, let's get let's get this out of the way first. Um, are are you in consensus with everyone at this point that Drew Jones has separated himself as the singular best prospect in this draft? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely our number one. I don't. I think there may be some other folks who do what I do who feel that the, you know, the the separation is larger than I do. I don't. I, you know, I, I think there there's less risk than say with Elijah Green. Uh, you know, because there's some swing and miss concerns with Elijah Green, but he answered. He has answered a lot of those questions this spring. Okay. So I, I don't. I don't know, you know, you can make an argument that Elijah Green has a high, you know, has a higher ceiling, uh, you know, by a, by a little bit, uh, because the tools are so loud, but Drew Jones is a better bet to reach his, you know, considerably high ceiling. What are the comp, like when we, when we talk about Drew Jones as a prospect is, are we using words like can't miss? Are we... A comparing obviously there's the immediate comparison that everyone makes to his father but what is drew jones as a prospect i, I i've been doing this too long to ever use the word to can't miss with yeah the draft prospect. i hear you i mean i mean he's you know he's super young but uh and i'm not a huge fan of comps you know he obviously can do a lot of the things that his father did uh you know he's a, a plus runner uh, he can really play center field. You know, if you really wanted to, he could play shortstop. Um, yeah, like he, he's really, really athletic and a really good baseball player. And that's the combination is that, you know, sort of nature and nurture, uh, you know, at the same time, because, you know, he's got a big league dad. Um, you know, there, there's the genes there that certainly help with athleticism, but his field for the game is so high. And I think, you know, what he's going to end up being might and on how much he fills out that that six foot four frame, and you know, the belief is he's going to quite a bit. And there's going to be plus power, so he can do. I mean, he's got all five tools. He could end up having plus tools across the board when all is said and done. So, with that said, when we saw your mock draft a couple of weeks ago, you did not have the Orioles taking Drew Jones the number one pick, and I get it. This the Orioles, what they've done, they've taken college bats. Let me, let me phrase this question a couple of ways. All right, I'll start with this: Is Drew Jones so good that the Orioles should reconsider what their philosophy has been of just taking high bats since Mike Elias arrived, or college bats? Sorry. Well, you know, the 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 thing is that I think that it can be a little bit of an oversimplification. Yes, they've done that the last couple of drafts. Uh, three drafts ago, they took a college bat. But he also was the best player in the class, right. Bradley Rushman. So, and that was the last time they took one-one. So, I think it remains to be seen what the philosophy is. If it were me, yes, I would take the best player, and Drew Jones is the best player. So that's you know who I would take. Um, you know, when you're doing mock drafts, uh, you know, not to give you too much of a peek behind the curtain, but this far out, you're kind of just putting out different scenarios. I'm actually working on a new one this week, and. You know, last week Jim Callis had had Jones going one one, and that certainly could happen. I'm going to have a different name there. I'm not going to tell you who you're going to. Ooh, you're going to have to ooh, wait and look. Okay. Um, but it's one of the players who's you know at the top of the list, and just to mix it up and reflect 
some buzz of, you know, something that could conceivably happen. Um, you know, but, you know, the, the one benefit that the Orioles have is that there are a number of really talented high school bats at the very top that you could potentially take one and, you know, and also save a little money. I think people forget that, by and large, the number one pick does not sign for that full pick value. So you're going to save some money that you can use and spread around a little bit more, especially if you have extra picks. All right, we're talking MLB draft with Jonathan Mayo here on Glenn Clark Radio. So let, let me let me cover a couple of things. Let's work backwards. You, it's not going to be the same guy, but if the Orioles do stay the college bat route, is your belief that Brooks Lee, you know, that, kind of neat it's a kid who's literally named after brooks robinson so there's there's something interesting about that here is he definitely the top college bat in this draft oh without question he's the he's the best uh, for me the best college bat uh i think the only small question uh is you know he had a, a fairly gruesome injury um at the beginning of his college career okay he seems completely uh completely fine and, you know, the, those questions would have to be answered. Whether or not that would make a team back off from taking a 1-1, I don't know. Uh, I think the only other college bat who's kind of crept into the, into the conversation at all is Kevin Parada, uh, the catcher from Georgia Tech. And uh, I don't see the Orioles doing that. Uh, although he's athletic, you could, I mean, you know, if, you like, if you like the bat enough, you can move to left field, right? But I don't think you do that at 1-1. Then again... Uh, you know, the Orioles have done some things the last couple of years that you didn't know that they were going to do. So, they, you know, Mike, Mike Elias keeps things very close to the vest. Um, so uh, we're going to have to wait and see. But those are the only two college bats that I think could conceivably uh, come up in conversation for that top pick. Is Brooks Lee a shortstop at the major league level? I don't think so. Um, you know, I think you could send them out, uh, and, you know, in today's game, I should I shouldn't I shouldn't say that he's got really really good instincts. You know, he's the son of the coach. Um, he's incredibly smart. Um, I think if I were a team, I'd let him play short. I'd have him get time at third or second. I think he could be a, a Gold Glove caliber player at, at either of those positions. Um, the arm certainly works for third, and he's going to hit enough wherever you put him. Uh, so you know, some of it may depend on. Uh, you know, the other personnel in the organization. You know, if, if there's a better shortstop, then I think he probably moves over. But could he play there? Yeah. You know, he won't have huge range, um, especially, you know, he'll continue to fill out some as he physically matures. Uh, but he makes all the all the plays he's, you know, he's supposed to. When he gets to it, he makes the play. Uh, he is Jonathan Mayo, MLBPipeline.com. He's with us here on GCR. Jonathan, you referenced saving money. Is, is that worth doing in this draft? Is this a particular draft where there is added value? I know there's always someone you can spend that money on, but is there a particular amount of value as you move ahead in this draft that it's worth spent saving the money at the top? And, you know, I think the risk is, and the Orioles have seen it firsthand, is that you have this plan mm-hmm. uh, and you want to get a certain, you want to get a guy down to your next pick and someone else takes them. Yep. Um, so I, I think that's the, you know, the danger any team runs in and the Orioles have seen that happen. So I think you need to have kind of multiple contingencies. I, I think, you know, there, there are some interesting high school arms and those are the ones that tend to kind of float down 
Um, there also might be some interesting uh, value picks with some injured college pitchers. Those wouldn't be the guys you necessarily have to go way over slot for, but if you take them in the second round, you might. Um, so I think if they, if they if you can have a plan A, B, and C, then you could make the argument that it, it's worth doing. You know, you look at last year, and you know, and the difference between last year and this year is that last year there was not an obvious slam dunk number one guy, mm-hmm. and you know, Henry Davis was very much in in the conversation as the best player, and the Pirates really ended up liking him a lot. Uh, and and they were able to do that and save a lot of money, and then they were able to pick up three high end guys after that. Uh, I don't know that they knew that they were going to be able to do that. Um, you know, so they they were you know ready and prepared to kind of adjust on the fly. Uh, you know, you go back to the Astros in 2012. Correa was their their top player on their board, so they got who they thought was the best guy and saved money. Right, so you know. There's the possibility of doing that with maybe some of the other high school bats if they decide, like, well, all things being equal, we can save money. I, I don't know that this is a deep enough class that you can be sure uh, that the guys that you think are going to be there with those next picks are going to be there, especially with all the question marks around college pitching. It remains to be seen. Maybe some of those high school pitchers go a little sooner than typical because there aren't enough of the more advanced arms to choose from. It's interesting. Um, where does Kamar Rocker? F- I know you referenced this. That there's this great unknown, and he's going to go pitch for this independent league team. And I, how does he factor into this draft? <laughs> I wish I, I wish I had an answer for you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think you know two things are going to happen, uh, or I think are going to have to happen. He's going to have to go out and show that he can take the ball every whatever it is that they schedule him to do every five, six days, whatever it is. I think he's pitching June 4th for the first time. And, uh, and you know, they hopefully they'll stretch him out. Uh, so it's not just two, three innings, the, the entire, you know, month-ish that he's going to pitch before the draft. But the other thing is there's going to have to be some sharing of medical information because there are plenty of teams who are willing to take a risk if a medical report doesn't look perfect. But no one knows what the medical reports look like, except for the fact that the Mets were so concerned, they offered him zero dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, if you're a team and that doesn't set off alarms, then you're in the wrong business. So I think there's going to have to be some sharing. Cause I think there are plenty of teams that if they look at it, and say, you know, the reports were, I don't know what that, what the medical said, I haven't seen it, but the reports were that the Mets saw some trouble with the elbow and the shoulder, right? Sometimes it, it, it's sort of in the eye of the, of the beholder who's interpreting the, the reports and the information. If a team looks at his medical and only sees maybe an issue with the elbow, there are plenty of teams who have no problem taking a guy who might need Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. In fact, they'll take guys who have had Tommy John surgery or are about to have Tommy John surgery. I think it's the addition of the shoulder. Like there are questions that need to be answered with that. So it's a, I think it's a, a two pronged thing where he could, if he goes out and shows that he still has the, you know, the plus fastball and the wipeout slider and, and the stuff holds up, uh, that's going to help. Uh, but it's going to be a controlled situation, but that combined with some comfort level level with his medical report uh, could help him float up to, maybe as high as the middle of the first round, especially, again, with the 
the dearth of college pitching that I mentioned. All right. A anything else that should be on, as far as 1-1 is concerned, is there anything else that should be on our radar, Jonathan, as we get closer? I should just throw out a red herring and yeah, right, right, right. They're going to take Robbie Snelling. The oh, yeah, sure. Um, his name is Rising. That's why his name oh, is. Oh, it's not all the way that high. Right. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at most rankings on most sites, you know, the, the, the names that are at the top of the board, you know, we have four high school guys at the top of, uh, of the board, and then Brooks Lee. And I think, I think those are the five names. Um, you know, I, I, I've gotten some sense that the Orioles have whittled it down to five. I just don't know if they've removed one of the high school guys and added, say, Kevin Parada as a college bat. Okay. Um, but so those are, the, I think, that's the pool of six names. And I still think that it could be any of those six. I would be surprised if, it, I would be very surprised if it, say, ended up being Tamar Johnson, who I think is going to be a very, very special hitter. But. You you have to have a certain amount of intestinal fortitude to take a five foot eight future second baseman at one one. Now he's going to really really hit, you know. But you know you're selling it to ownership and things like that. I think you you'd have to be really really sure. So uh, I am a huge Tamar Johnson fan. Um, I live here in Pittsburgh. I would love to see him go forward to the Pirates. I think he's going to be a really good player. But that high is going to be tough. So then you're talking Drew Jones. Elijah Green, Jackson Holiday, that's Matt's kid, right. and Brooks Lee. That's by the way, it's unbelievable. I, I know, like we, you know, we're talking about Andrew Jones' kid, but like Matt Holiday, it's just uh, these are um, these are things are really messing with me, Jonathan. They're really oh, messing man. with this is me. The how to feel as old as yep, possible. Yeah, hundred percent. And before I let you go, are you as frustrated as everybody else is here waiting around for Adley Regiman to make his major league debut? <laughs> ah, patience. There is patience. no rush. Patience. My what? foot patience. There's no yeah, yeah. rush. You watch Anthony Benboom play every night and tell me patience. You know what? So here's the thing. You know, and I don't, I don't know where that Super 2 line is anymore. You know, I have no idea. But if I'm the Orioles, that, you know, if he had been healthy, I think he makes the team on opening day. But there's no harm in giving him some extra reps in AAA, let him hit the ground running, heck, call him and Grayson Rodriguez up together, create even more buzz it, the, the Orioles it's not like the Orioles are competing for a playoff spot I know so there's really zero reason to call him up just because people are clamoring for him sorry to rain on your well I be, okay I think it's to me it's I, to me it's less that they're clamoring for him and more that he's just ready like there's what is the point any longer you know an like a year of an extra year of service but aren't I mean wouldn't we have been past that a couple of weeks ago at this point uh, I think it's somewhere around this last part of May for super for the all super right, two for the right, arbitration staff. Right, right. And again, like I don't think the Orioles would have been concerned with that had he been healthy. right because right? You, so it's you, now it's just because it's like well at this point why would you not wait an extra week just to you know to well, I mean, to, if, that, if that's the case I just I thought it was earlier than that that's that's all I all mean right. it's you know it's kind of a moving target and no one really knows uh, so it's like it's a weird thing but I, I think most teams have a sense of when it is and. It, it, I, to me, that's the only explanation as to why that hasn't happened. I, I, I you know, either that or they want Grayson to make one more start, and they're going to call him up together. All right. Hey, Jonathan, what what should I be plugging for you? What are people going to be seeing? MLB Pipeline, MLB.com, oh, MLB Network. I've got a new mock draft which will be up probably you know tonight into tomorrow, so people can check that out. It's two months out, 
so I don't want people to like freak out by anything. Um, it's sort of just playing out different scenarios at, at this point. And Jim, uh, Callis, and I will switch off every week. So there will be a new mock draft every week. And as we get closer, we try to get closer to what's actually going to happen. At Jonathan Mayo on Twitter is how you follow him. Glad you're feeling better, my friend. Let's talk again as we get closer to the draft. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you guys. Jonathan Mayo checking in with us here on GCR. Boy, it's really that that I I honest to God thought we were past that date. It's not even something that I've so talked about. There's there's he's talking about the we're, Super we're, two, we're, we're right. talking about two different things. So so the date that we're past is the Orioles would now get the extra year mm, of, of of team control because right. that was after 15 days of the season. The Super Two is after a certain date. He can't accrue enough time to become a Super Two player. Where even though you have the extra year of um, team control. He can get to arbitration a year earlier based on how many games he's played. So the Orioles would get an extra year of being able to pay him league minimum. Right, before they would have to go to arbitration with right. him. Which I would think that the only way is I would think that his camp would make quite the stink about that. And I would yeah. think that I would, I would, and this is why I struggle with it. If that's what they're doing, it only serves to piss off. The the centerpiece of your rebuild, and if he's supposed, and if he's as good as we think he's right. going to be, then you should you're, be you're extending him. Bef- you should be extending him correct. before that anyway. Correct. So nothing about that works for me. Right. The team control thing, you know, I get the Major League Baseball tried to change things and they tried to make it so that the teams wouldn't do it any longer, and so you can say, hey, that's. That's the reason why he would have been here on opening day because they would have said, "Hey, let's run the, let's take the chance that he is gonna what is it top five in rookie of the year two. voting, top two in rookie top of the year two. voting, and it's it's top five for something else, right?" Um, I think it's top five in MVP voting. MVP, okay, well, that's gonna be tough. Um, so let's 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 roll the dice and let's see if we can't get now. Everybody got called up for opening day, so they're not all gonna finish in the top two of rookie of the year voting. Right. I don't know how that I don't know how that works. I don't know, but it clearly worked because they got it got everybody here. Mm. I mean, I I I'm confused about how that works when every one of these teams knows they're not all going to finish in the top two of rookie of the year voting. Very weird. It's very weird. I the super two thing, man. If that's really what they're doing, that that seems to be a bigger problem. Like that seems to be a why are you setting this up? to be fighting with this guy immediately. I don't think that's what they're I'd doing. I'd like to hope it isn't. I'd like to hope so, but it'll be really weird if we find out that the date is... June 1st. Right? And, and he's not here till June 2nd. It'd be, it'll be real weird if it plays out that way. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to have that conversation. We'll see if we can't find out what the Super 2 date is. But if that's what's going on, it's going to be a problem. Like, there's just nothing okay about that. All right, um, when we come back, Andrew Forrester is going to join us. What's that? Yeah, I'm going to take her. Third break already? Okay. I mean, if you, if you don't want to, we don't have to. No, no. Call Drew. I don't care. Call Drew. Whatever. See if I care. See if I care. I don't care. Do whatever you want over there. Short timer. Do whatever you want. Today's show also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. The aforementioned Adley Rutschman is on the cover. You've heard of him, haven't you? We've talked about him every now and then. Great cover story from Luke Jackson. 
all about uh, Adley and where his passion from baseball comes from and why he's expected to be a leader on day one. Go get it right now. Your Neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town, or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Drew Forrester, you hear him every Sunday, noon, fairways and greens on 105.7 The Fan, Drew'sMorningDish.com. I'm still kind of mad at you, Forrester. I got to deal with this with you. Mm, I I tweeted you on Sunday, and I said I had a question for you. Okay. And at no point did you say like, "Hey, man, why don't you come in and ask that question? Why don't you come in? We we can we can turn it into something on the show." At no point. Did oh, you do I it. didn't see it. So go ahead. What's your question? Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you think my guy's going to do? <laughs> You're still doing this. I mean, this is worse than the Letterman stuff. <laughs> this is your. I can't this believe. This is way worse I than likely. I can't believe <laughs> that 15 years later you still tried to prevent me. From doing the bit, I can't believe it. it. It, I mean, you've had you've had some good moments. This isn't yeah. one of them. Oh, is that so? That means, yeah. a, means a lot coming from you. Yeah, right. It means a lot, right? It's a lot coming. High from praise. Like the, the, the line yeah, is a high praise yeah, high coming praise, from you. High praise right. coming from you. Um, right. So, so have you announced who your choices yet? Have you, or is that? Yeah, what? I think McElroy's going to win. You think Roy McElroy is winning the PGA Championship? I do. All right. I thought you were taking Homa. I'm even. I, I was right up until he won two weeks ago. It's really hard for these guys to win two times in a row. I honestly was going to pick Homa, um, and I still, I, you know, I still listed him as my number two guy. I, I think he has a great chance, but it's really hard to win back-to-back tournaments. Why? Are you I mean, picking? it sounds crazy to say that, right? Like he just won. Can he win again? No, <laughs> he can't. But he's playing great golf, I, and I also really, really like Matsuyama, and I've. Put my money where my mouth is on Mas- Matsuyama over the last twelve hours. I really like his chances. All right. So why why McElroy? Um. Well, I mean, it, it it's a driver's golf course. He drives the ball great. Although his driving accuracy average is down a little bit this year, but he he's still one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the history of the game. I and I just feel like with all of the stuff that's been going on, you know. He, I don't put a lot of stock in what he did at Augusta, but I think that showed he's, you know, he's on the upswing. And I think all they're talking about there this week is Tiger, no Phil. Now it's Ricky Fowler. Um, can Scheffler win again? Hey, Spieth's playing great. Maybe it, maybe he wins the Grand Slam. And I don't feel like anyone's, I think, I feel like Roy is way off the radar screen. Okay. And that might suit him. Now, I will also say, when they announced the pairings yesterday, I cooled on him a little. Oh, why is that? Because I, because I think it's tough to play with Tiger. Okay, okay. Just I, because I, of, but Rory's, I do think, Rory's used I do, to that. I know he? he he is, but he's not used to it when it comes to playing with Tiger. Like this is going to be bedlam there tomorrow with and and with Spieth, and I just don't know that that pairing favors either one of them. And I get it that they want to put that they're all they're thinking about is TV. I mean, there's some other really good pairings, but this is clearly they've they've sold their soul to these three guys. The network has to say, you know, we gave Tiger, they gave Tiger the early late tea time rotation, which he deserves. You know, people I saw last night on the internet, people are like complaining because Tiger got preferential treatment. 
Well, they want him playing on Friday afternoon so that people that come home and watch golf see him. That's number one. And number two, whether or not you like him or not, the fact that they bowed down to him and gave him the early late, it it shouldn't be anything people worry about. Like, he won 82 times. He won 15 majors. He changed the sport. And if you're giving him a, a favorable tee time nod, he might deserve it. So I can. So, uh, 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 by the way, and this is a. I'm, I, I'm trying to make some money here. In the FanDuel Sportsbook, they offer you a bet where okay. they, there's a bunch of different props that you can play. But one of them, they, they separate like all the European players, and they separate, and they literally have a category that just says top rest of the world player. And they've got Cameron Smith at plus 550, and then they got Matsuyama at 8-1. to one. So based on what you just said, it sounds like you'd like to play Matsuyama. At eight, the other, the Neiman at 8-1, to one, Connors at 12-1, to one, Jason Day 14-1, to one, Adam Scott 16-1. to one. I, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I like Matsuyama. I think Matsuyama's played great golf in the last year. He, he, you know, the one thing that was a little bit of a holdup for him was his putting, and his putting... His shots gained putting numbers are fantastic, especially this year, 2022. He's putted great. Um, I also like Neiman, and I think Neiman could win. Mm. And I would say that's a great, you know, I, I think I'd get some money down on Neiman in some way, shape, or form. He drives the ball great. This is a golf course that you have to play it right to left and left to right off some tees, um, which he can do. I, I, I really like him this week so there's another name for you too all right all right uh you you don't think i should throw any money on rich beam or sean McKeel at uh i got a funny feeling neither one of those guys yeah, are, no. are 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 gonna do much i'll no. give you a good long shot okay i think he might be at 150 to one maybe okay i, I think luke list has a chance to play really well oh, i definitely know week. who that is oh luke list 100 percent. very familiar I'm with him 100 just telling you 160 to one actually 161 don't to one. uh don't cry if he stands there on Sunday night and you're like, yeah, oh, my God, Drew mentioned him. I should have put some money in. I hear you. I hear you. All right. And, uh, and are you gonna- but I like Rory. I think I, I, I just feel like he's not going to go forever. and He's not going to finish his career with four. He's got to win one at some point. And I just have a funny feeling this is the one. Like, this is, this is the time for him. You know, he's played well. He's been close. I mean, he's got his last – 22 majors, he's got 14 top 10s, he's got 14 top 10s, seven of those are top 5s, so it isn't like he's played poorly. Alright, so you like you like uh, Rory, and I of course like Chi-Chi, so there we go. Yeah, correct. That's, that's... Right. I am going to win that bet against you. you, should, oh, you, you want, oh, yeah. you want to put that yeah, that, in? Yeah, I'll, I'll put that one in. <laughs> Chi-Chi that. Rodriguez is not You talk Rory. about somebody being due, though. I'm just telling yeah, you. Yeah, right. You keep, he is due. You keep using the term due when he you is. say this. Has he won in my no. life, in our lifetime? Yes, he's definitely won in our lifetime. One hundred. Well, he won the. I was born in nineteen eighty-three. Yeah, he won the U.S. Senior Open yeah. at some point. I don't know yeah. when. And then on the PGA Tour, though, not the championship. Settle down over there, okay? A win's yeah, I mean, a what, win, Chief. What's Paul know? Yeah, what the hell does he know about golf? Right. I know that I'd be more right. worried about Jordan Spieth's mental capacity than Rory McIlroy's tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're still on that. You're mm-hmm. still. He's still worked up about that. He's still about what the fight that you guys got into about Jordan Spieth, all that. Uh, all the Spieth is gonna. Back. Spieth is more likely to crumble tomorrow than McElroy. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I forget the argument. Do you not like Spieth? It's not that I don't like Spieth. I think he's a head case. 
And I and oh, this is coming yeah, you from have a no guy. Idea what you're talking about. And this is a guy. This is coming from a guy who's a head case <laughs> when it comes to sports. Right. You have no idea what you're talking about. I should Spe- do. Speech, sure I do. Speech not not in any way, shape, or form a head case. Oh, he won't. But anyway, uh, but, but you can keep on hating on him. Uh, he could win this week too. By the way. Uh, what else is going on in your world? Plays what, with Tiger. what else do you care about? Yeah, right, so, plays with Tiger. That, so, that, that, that is not the pairing you want. Now, I will say this. You would much rather play with him than be one group in front of him. So I will at least say of, of, you might not have got the worst pairing by playing with him. You might have got the second worst because playing in front of him is worse. All right, so let's let's talk about some other things. Drew Forrester, Drew's Morning Um what do you there make? There isn't anything else to talk no, there, about, by there the way. Is. It's BGA what? Championship Week. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, 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 by the way, pretty disgusting how they're trying to distract from what actually matters, which is the start of the French Open on Sunday. Pretty disgusting oh, how, they changed, okay. how they changed the schedule to distract from the national championship that, that everybody cares about. But from that's, the, that's all right. From I'll, the, um, I'll, I'll Nadal, the, the Nadal Invitational? Oh, it's definitely not that. It is anything but the Nadal Invitational. I promise you that. I, I thought he won it every time he played it. Well, he literally didn't win it last year. Um, well, I mean, but, he's done now. He's not on the juice anymore. Well, I, that, exactly. That's exactly what it was. I think he might still be the third favorite to win. Okay. I haven't even checked. Um how old is he now? Seventy. Yeah, basically seventy. Yeah, I, this is a great question for you because you like we we like to joke about golfers. Like, do you know who the best tennis player in the world is right now? Glenn Clark. <sighs> you, you, are you he's saying not the, ranking, he's not the number ranking? he's not the number one ranked guy? It's the unquestionable best tennis player in the world. Okay, so now you've given me a hint. I would say maybe Medvedev? No, it's not Daniil Medvedev. Carlos okay. Alcaraz is without question the best tennis player in the world right now, and he is the okay. second favorite to win the French Open, and this goes to show that you have no idea who he is. And I don't blame you. Why would anyone right. besides me have any idea who Carlos Alcaraz is? He's literally the greatest tennis player on the face of the planet. Um, and, by the way, Nadal is still the third favorite to win the French Open Um which I get. He's Rafael Nadal, so I understand. But he literally just lost on clay last week to someone named Denis Shapovalov. So okay. it's it's the bloom is off the rose. I'd still say there's four well, guys. It took 20 years, but yeah. I get it, right. There's there's four guys that can win the French Open, and I would say that he's one of them, but okay. he's the third of four. And I'd really have to think about that more, whether or not he's actually number three. Um, but yeah, the best tennis player. The guy that like is absolutely... The best player in the world is Carlos Alcaraz, and nobody on the face of the planet has any idea who he is, which is okay. not a great uh, statement about where we are as far as the sport that I care about is concerned. Where are okay. you with uh, Adley Rutschman? Where are you at this point with the fact that we still have no clue what's going on? Well, I think it's a bummer, and I, I, I know I'm hearing all these different, wanted him to catch back-to-back days, and then needed him to hit higher than 200, and I, I don't understand... I don't I mean maybe I'm wrong on this. Like I don't think his psyche can get crushed if he comes up to the major leagues. And I remember Gavin Sheets saying something to me when he came up last year. Um, he's like, dude, the first week it it was insane. He's like, I I was like in a different planet. And he was a high quality. I mean, obviously he played at Wake Forest. He played Double A baseball. He tore it up at Charlotte. He said, I got up to the major leagues, and it was like a, it was like a whole different world. But after a week, I, I kind of started to get my, you know, I wrapped my head around it a little bit, and I made better contact, and he said, and it took me, you know, six games 
to, you know, he's not going to the Hall of Fame, but I mean, like, it took me six games to get the speed of the game down because it's so much different. Like, just so it, bring this it, kid up and it, let it, him. It took him a little bit longer than that to be able to find a fly ball in right field. Oh, stop. I, I, I love um, the guy. He's a great it, guy. Great guy. But it just, it, you know, it's the same thing with this kid, right? Just bring him up. Sure, he's going to be overmatched. He's supposed to be overmatched. Bring him up. And if this is a service thing, to me, that's totally, we, that's a different argument. We're past, right? like, we're past the service date. We were just talking a second ago about the, the Super 2 date, which, like, that's even more unforgivable than the service time thing. The Super okay, 2 but thing. I'm, but I'm saying, if you, if you as a baseball nerd, if you want to m- make that the argument, and you want to go into the whole, all of that stuff and read the fine print. and Okay, put that argument on one side. But if the argument isn't about that, and you're just, you just need him to be better before he comes up, I think that's dumb, honestly. Because no matter what happens down there, when he comes up, it's going to be overwhelming. It doesn't matter when you bring him up. And I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm serious. Like, I don't think it matters when you bring him up. If you bring him up tomorrow, he's going to be a nervous wreck, and it's going to be overwhelming, and it'll be overwhelming for a week. And if you bring him up on June the 10th, he's going to be a nervous wreck, and it's going to be overwhelming for a week. And it doesn't matter what he does at AAA. And the only thing I haven't understood is, like, the, the point about the catching four days in a week or, so, or five days in a week, whatever it is. I'm like, what? why? Why can you not have him DH a couple more times at the major league level? Like, I mean, why? I, 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 right, I could be wrong on this, but this kid's played baseball his entire life. Yes. He's played in high school, 40 games, practice. He's played club base, you know, little league baseball, whatever you want to call it, a high level, whatever that next level is. He's done it. I, I don't even know if he went to the Cape Cod Summer League, but like this kid has bathed and eat. He's ate, drank, and bathed baseball for seven years. He went to college. He played at the highest level you could play. It's a year-round sport, blah, blah, blah. He went to the, like, he, he's played enough baseball to me. Now, I've never been in the majors, but I don't know that he needs any more or less stamina. I think that's dumb, too. I, 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 it's insane. I, I really do. I mean, now, if you want to make an argument that if he comes up and he's one for his first 14 and he's overmatched and it crushes his confidence and we don't want him to get off to that kind of start, go ahead and make that kind of argument. But I would submit to you that a kid of this talent level, I think it's there a, isn't going to be anything that gets to him. I, I, I mean, like, if, if that's where we are, I think there's a far bigger problem, right? Like, Correct. That's, that, that's, if, if, if he's overwhelmed to the point that it crushes his confidence, yeah. then he, he probably isn't the guy. I, I, I just don't buy this. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, maybe my expectations for this kid are out of whack, but I see him coming up and it might take him Two weeks. I mean, right. you know what's going to happen the first night. He's either going three for four with a home run in the bottom of the eighth that wins the game, or he's going zero for four and he looks like a fool. Like right. there is no in between. Right. But it doesn't matter what he does in the first week. Just let's let him play fifty games or sixty games or eighty, and then worry about it. It's like worrying about the draft. Well, I don't know if we got to have a good draft, uh, NFL draft. Why don't you wait till they play? I'm with you. So I just don't buy this. I. I but again, you know that this is where like these stat nerds get involved, and they go through history of the, these players that come up and what they do. Yeah, right. But they have to come up at some point. Yes, just I mean, like, bring them up. Yes, 
He's going to be overwhelmed. He's supposed to be overwhelmed. And by the way, what you said about him, I mean, I, I, everything about that we know about this young man's demeanor suggests that he is uniquely prepared for that. But to your point, there's still going to be an adjustment. Like, you you can be as prepared mentally as you want for the moment. It's still the first time being in the major leagues. There's nothing you can do Correct. about that. And, and but, they are. And, you know, to, to Gavin's point, when I talked to Gavin about it this, this past winter, Gavin's like, I don't know how to say it other than, like, the baseball gets thrown really hard at AAA, and then when you come up to the major leagues, then you see what really hard is. Like, it's just, they throw it harder in the major leagues. That's why they're in the major leagues. I hear you. I hear they you. throw it 95 instead of 91. They throw a, a change-up 84 instead of 77. Like, this is why they're in the major leagues. Um, so, I'm with bring you. him up. I say bring him up. By the way, it was pointed out to me by someone this morning, the Orioles sent an email, that they're extending the, your last chance to get those $4 tickets is uh, tonight at 9 o'clock. They cut it off. So I got this, and I got a message from Chris and said, do you think that tonight at 9 o'clock they announce that Adley Rutschman will be up this weekend so they get through this $4 thing and then they make the announcement? I said, Lord, who knows? Who Right, knows? I mean, I, I would say they would be foolish from a business standpoint I mean, this is, they haven't had many of these, right? I mean, let's go back in the time you and I have hang, been hanging out together. Like, they haven't had many of these. They had weeders. They had many. Um, but they haven't had many of these opportunities to kind of milk a signing or a, or a, a promotion into money, right? This kid, this kid is money to them. And they haven't had many opportunities to bring a kid up and I don't want to say gouge because that's not really the word I'm looking for. They haven't had a chance to bring this kid up and make money off of any baseball players, yep. right? They, they, they signed Chris Davis sort of kind of with the thought that they, because they did right away, they raised the ticket prices $5 right away, and they thought, well, this is okay. We'll, we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll do an extra... Seven million or eight million people over the course of the contract, and that'll help pay for some of it, right? I hear you. You know, and yep. so they haven't had many chances to do this, yep. and they need to make the most out of it. And I don't. The short answer to your question is, I don't think announcing it on Wednesday night at nine o'clock for a Friday at seven I, o'clock I, debut I, is the I way said, to do it. I said this earlier. If it was going to be Friday, you should have announced it earlier. You should have announced Co- it sooner correct. than this. And this is. Again, and it's a difference between they, they have no obligation, they have no... But it, the frustrating part to me has been this has been your best opportunity to sort of extend an olive branch to this fan base, this beleaguered fan base, and say, hey, we know that there are people that would want to drive up from Nags Head or wherever, that would want to drive in from a significant distance away in order to be here for this event and to do as much as possible, give as much information and as much headway as you possibly can to work with that group of people in order to give them the opportunity to be there. And that's, I'm not mad at them. It's just, I think, a miss on their part to not go out of their way when it comes to this particular subject to be as transparent as they possibly can. Unless he's actually not coming up this week. Oh, it's which, by the way, as I said earlier, at this point, I'd almost bet. I'd almost bet. I think it's at best 50-50 as to whether or not he's here this weekend because why would you be announcing something two days ahead of time? Mm-hmm. Like, right, it's just, and, now, and that's, I guess, the whole thing, right? Like it, it, That means, you would think, 
that it'll be June 3rd because that's the next time they're home on a Friday. Right, it could be yeah, it could be May thirty first and on a Tuesday when they face what Seattle, right? Is but would that... they really do it on a Tuesday? Oh, I, we thought we were going to do it on Monday for some people. I mean, like I, yeah, but Monday and the Yankees are different. I hear you. I mean, yeah. I I I hear you. I don't know. I, I, I at this point, why right, anyway? It's a different conversation. We'll get into it because it comes up in uh, Would You Rather Wednesday. Let's go ahead and play Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Still two weeks roughly left for you to try the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. And if you haven't, you have been missing out big time. The strawberry salmon salad. The Cracker Jack Sunday with the waffle ice cream and Cracker Jacks. The opener, the flash fried Korean, or the pork belly with the Korean number two sauce, which is perfection. If you never had it on your wings at Glory Days Grill, you're nuts. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. Stop in today at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. All right, would you rather number one? Um, we got. Let's just say hypothetically, there's further information. This thirty for thirty is going to be a four-parter. Would you rather it be four parts about the 2020 Ravens as a whole, or four parts about the life and times and career of Ray Lewis specifically? 2020. Sorry, 2000. Right. Okay. I was yeah. confused because yes. I. No, it's I. It's um. Yeah. I, I. No disrespect at all when I say this, but I, I've had enough Ray. I'm good. I'm gonna just do do something on the team. I've had enough Ray. And I feel like I know enough about Ray. I feel like I could do the writing. Right. I, I, I guess there's a separate thing here, and what I'm not. I don't. I just don't think. I mean, there's, look, there's only three things about Ray that. I, I mean, there's there's only three things about Ray to me mm-hmm. that really matter, okay. right? I would, and you know, one of them is not the thing we want to talk about, but you know, one of the things that matters, obviously, still is Atlanta, yep. and how that how that scarred him mm-hmm. both. It's a little bit, not to segue back to golf, but it's a little bit like the Greg Norman thing that they did. Like, hey, this happened, and here we are now, 24 years, 26 years later, um, opening up this wound and asking you to be honest with us and tell us how much did that really scar you. That's the idea, All the, yeah. And, and Ray, and I thought ESP did a great job of that with Norman, and I frankly thought Norman did a good job with that. Ray would have to do something that he really hasn't done ever. He did it a little that, bit in the book that he wrote. I mean, he did. Like, he did. Uh, okay, but he, he did that on his own accord. 100%. He, right. he, he hasn't do it for somebody faced, else. Yes. He hasn't sat in a room, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but he hasn't sat in a room and, and had people fire questions at him that he couldn't dance around, right? So, to me, the 30 for 30 with Ray would involve asking him about things that I'm not so sure I think they'd be off the table. I think his people would say, you've dealt with this with other people. Hey, Ray will do this 30 for 30. He ain't talking about Atlanta. Well, but that's what I'm I'm sort of saying, that this wouldn't happen if that weren't the case, right? Like, if he he wanted to talk about Atlanta and he wanted to talk about this, the the comeback, whatever you want to call the fact that he tours muscle on his arm and said, hey, this is a seven-month recovery. I can't do it. And then two two months later, he's like, I'm playing. Like, I think people would, and you know, you and I know it was deer antler spray, but the rest of the people don't. Um, where did I put this? Under my tongue? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, I think it's an I think it's an interesting story if he were willing to talk about like how did you really come back and play and what you know take us through what you did to be able to play and I don't know that he wanted to talk about that either but it would be interesting. That would be the only thing that would interest me about Ray Lewis. I don't need to know about how great he was as a football player, because I know already. I I don't think there is broad appeal for this 2000 Ravens thing. I, I, I kind of don't either. I don't, I don't, like, I don't, I, frankly, I think I they're interested. I don't get it at all. I kind of don't either. Right. I, I think, is it just, and if I, I thought about this last night, if I were writing, if, if they gave me the assignment to make it interesting, because that's really what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Broad appeal slash isn't interesting. Um, how do I make it interesting? And and I think that the only thing that's appealing is that they won the Super Bowl and didn't have a quarterback. To me, that's the only that's the but, only way I could that, make that this. That wasn't interesting. all that uncommon at the time. <laughs> like Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. I mean, like I. Jim McMahon won a Super Bowl. Jeff Hostetler won a Super Bowl. Like it just wasn't all that uncommon for that to happen at that point in football. I, I just don't. Okay. I mean, I, 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 we, I think, we didn't have anybody. Oh, I hear you. I mean, we I, went through three of them. Right. I, and I, none of them were any. You good. can say that the argument is that some of those guys were actually better than Trent Dilfer. I hear you. Uh, right. Right. I just think if you're asking me to make some compelling, but I just don't. I don't. Know, I don't see it. I when I when this was announced yesterday, I saw all the excitement from Ravens fans, and I was like. This is like announcing you're doing a six-parter about Derek Jeter. There's one city that cares, and I get it. Right. Like, that New York is a big. It's a better city to have care about something than Baltimore, as far as you know, ESPN's concerned. I, I have no clue why anyone in Sheboygan would wake up and be like, "Man, I can't wait to watch that thirty for thirty about Tony Siragusa." Like, I, I, I am befuddled by this announcement. I'm, I would agree with you. I'm not. I, I would. I would I'm, totally agree. I'm not saying it couldn't be. They have done enough with that brand that they've probably earned the right for me to say I I look at most of I looked at the stupid Mets one that was ta- painfully uninteresting, like painful, and I still watched all of it because I they've earned that for me that I just want I don't care at all about golf and I watched the Greg Norman one which was right. as you pointed out probably better you know it was on it's certainly on the the better end of thirty for thirties they've done um, this is. They announced one yesterday too about the, the Jeanette Lee, the pool player, and I'm I'm telling you, I'm probably as interested in that as I think the average person is in the right. 2000 Ravens 30 for 30. I just right. don't see it. Whereas, like a, a a real deep dive on Ray Lewis and getting him to be involved, I think there would be tremendous broad appeal in something like that. Okay. Um, number two, you uh, you got a, a week of vacation scheduled for this summer. But uh, instead of actually going anywhere, you have to spend the week paying off a bet by watching from start to finish the entirety of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial or by watching from start to finish the entirety of the NBC series This Is Us, which I am to understand might have wrapped up last night. Mm, yeah, thankfully. If you, oh, is, every, that, is that a popular... It, is that a, it in was the, on in every the, Tuesday. In the Forrester house. house. So what like, you're saying is you've already watched that. So. I gave that thing about... I gave that thing about four episodes, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. I mean, it was the most outrageously predictable, and it was the exact opposite of this is us. No, it isn't. This isn't anybody. Okay. No one is as nuts as you people. <laughs> 
Who knew that Forrester had all the hot takes about this is us? This is us. Never, no, it's, I've, no I've, it's nobody. I've never seen three minutes of the program to be able to to, to say anything about it. It, it. it is exactly what you think it is. It's drama and tough times and our house burned down and I mean it, please no, our kid anyway, is what blind. Was the question? Uh, per- perhaps maybe last night was not the last episode it's maybe next week I'm, oh I don't know I, we don't watch it anymore what was the question who what was it's the, either what you got to watch that from start to finish during the week or you got to watch the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial from start to finish during the course I of the think week. I'm going to watch the trial just to see how many times she sneaks that cocaine thing into her into her nose on the stand <laughs> is that a thing is that a thing? Have you seen it? No, have I've seen it. I I have it's done hilarious. everything in my power. My my wife swears up and down. No, that's not that's not what she's doing. I don't oh, know what else it could be that she's doing. One million percent, that's what she's doing. I don't know what else it could be. Look up Amber her cocaine bump. It's hilarious. It's so obvious. She's in and a damn courtroom. Yeah, she's dude, on the stand. She's on the stand doing it. It's hilarious. It's way better than This Is Us. Trust me. I, it's totally, she's totally, now, the funny thing is, she hasn't done it recently since everyone saw that she was doing it. I'm trying, I'm trying to. Oh, man. By the, way, hilarious. by the way, thanks a lot, Paul. When I search Amber Heard cocaine bump, I come up with, help is available. If you or someone you know is struggling, <laughs> th- th- now now my computer thinks that I'm a drug addict. So thank you. Right. Appreciate uh, it. Well, you know what to tell I your computer. Thought. You don't even like cocaine anymore. Right. You just like the way it smells. And, well, you, and, <laughs> you don't, and you don't like the chi-chi bit. And you don't like... <laughs> the, the funny thing about Amber Heard... Um, Hang on a second. I'm watching this video now. It's I'm, hilarious. I'm watching it. Okay. I'm, I'm wa- you, you watch it and you tell me what she's doing. Uh, Compelling evidence. My, my, yeah. It's compelling evidence. Yep. My, my wife says to me, she even said that she's never done cocaine in her life. I said, yes, because celebrities right. yes. and women you're never lie. You're definitely going to walk in front they of They never it. lie. Right. right. I'm regular. Well, as you know. Well, she, you know she said on the stand yesterday she'd go to rehab, but she's not a quitter. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very good. Well, well done. <laughs> Only Drew can crack himself up. Number quite three. Like oh, but yet he won't let me. He won't let me. Get on fairways and greens to do the 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 chichi bit. He won't. He blocked me from doing the chi. I was almost. I was gonna prank call him again this Sunday. I thought about it. Do a prank call on the show again in order to get the bit in. Yeah, that was a really. You were really good that well, first I'm, day. I'm, I'm doing. Thanks I'm doing, so I'm, much. I'm doing my best to help you out, pal. I need hey, your, by the way, your ratings up I a saw bit. something that uh, what's his name uh, Pete over there next to you said on Pete. Twitter. Oh, Pete. That, that I one million percent agree with, and I can't believe it. Why? What was it? What, that Adam the Orioles should retire Adam Jones' number. I, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I've, we've actually. Now, I, I said I, this a year ago. I was gonna say, I think before, I wrote it. I think I wrote a column Pete about said it. it. I think I wrote a, I said they should retire the, his number. The only Pete. problem I have with with what Paul tweeted was I, I don't think there's a chance in hell that Adam wants the ceremony. I don't think that's even a thought. Like the retiring his number, sure, but like he's he's admitting right now he's not actually retired. He wrote a retirement column and said within it, "I'm not actually retired." He's just sort of acknowledging this is like when the Ravens brought Derek Mason back, and I love Derek, of course, but they brought him back to do like the retirement announcement when he had been out of football for over a year. Like they don't want to be retired; they don't have a choice. He's not getting phone calls, so he has to be retired. Adam Jones, I don't think there's a chance in hell that would participate in something like that in August. Um, because he's, and, and 
obviously I've spoken with Adam a couple times recently, he openly admits that he would still play baseball if someone would let him play baseball. So, you know, could something change between now and then? I guess. But I don't I don't see that. I think you at least have to get him to a place where he says, no, I don't want to do it, and I would say no if someone called me before you could even consider something like that. So, I, okay. in, in theory, I don't disagree with the premise of retiring Adam Jones' number. I've, I've written about that. I don't disagree with that broadly. I just think... We're, we're speeding that up when he's not there yet. Yeah, sure. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's all. Uh, and number three, uh, would you rather the Orioles get on with it and they call Adley Rutschman up next week in New York okay. or wait until the end of the month and call him up at home? Yeah, I, I only want him to. I, I, his debut should be in Baltimore. You know? Yeah. I hear you. His debut should be in Baltimore. I hear you. I hear you. I am. I wait. We'll talk about it in a second. What's coming up at DrewsMorningDish.com and Fairways and Greens? What's happening on Sunday? Uh, Fairways and Greens um, coming up Sunday. We are going to visit with Billy Wingard, who was part of a. uh, We had six different players, three groups of two, just played in the U.S. Amateur Four Ball in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, which was a huge uh, amateur tournament. So Billy's going to join me Sunday. Matt Oshrine, who was a. Uh, Pikesville High School graduate um, went on to play at Loyola and Duke. Just made it through the local qualifier for the U.S. Open. We're going to chat with him. Um, so we got a lot of cool stuff. Got a lot of good things going on. And uh, Drew's morning just today. Uh, Stats nerd chimed in with some interesting data on Ravens draft picks and how long you can expect them to play. And our boy uh, regular Joe uh, complaining about the Orioles and how they stink. So it's all good. All right. Very good. Appreciate you. And we will uh, talk right. to you next week. See you soon. It's Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com. Um, for the 30 for 30, four parts on the 2000 Ravens or four parts on Ray Lewis? The 2000 Ravens. I mean, they already have a football life on Ray Lewis. and That was, uh, no, that was nothing. It that was nothing. But And the, he's going to be prominently featured in, in, the, in the 30 for 30 anyway. I, I I know all I want to know about Ray Lewis. Just give me I, the, give I, me the I, Ravens. I, I can't. I, I boy, this really comes off as like a um, an inside versus outside thing. I don't think the two thousand Ravens are interesting enough for a thirty for thirty. I don't know what we think is interesting enough about the two thousand Ravens for a thirty for thirty. I just I'm befuddled by what we think makes that worthy of a thirty for thirty. Well, the fact that uh, uh, I didn't know this, but apparently everybody hates that team. I mean, everybody hates that team. They, they, in the in the press release, they, 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 they tried to over. Nobody cares. They, and it's the exact opposite of that. In fact, some of my friends in the business were like, "What? What are they talking about?" Like, if anything, there was a curiosity around the two thousand Ravens. There was no dislike. The only thing that people disliked was Ray Lewis because they thought he was a murderer. That's the problem with the two thousand. There was just no broad appeal there. I don't know what we think we're getting out of it. I, I get that internally the argument is, well, we love the team, so we just rewatch the team all over again because we love them. And that's fine. It's a very narrow audience for something like that. It's one market in the entire country that is interested in just reliving oh, the 2000 but, Ravens. But the question is, would you rather, I not get would it. the rest I, of the world I, rather? I get it. I, I, when I sit down to watch a 30 for 30, I want to be compelled. And... Even when I'm interested in a story, if it's not compelling, we're just watching all the same I'm, stuff that I'm we've watched before. I'm interested to see how they make it compelling. 
Because I think they could. I, mean, I think they could. I don't think there's a chance in hell they could make a four-part 30 for 30 about the 2000 Ravens be compelling. I think they could make an hour 30 for 30, which is like this is likely to be, be compelling just because, again, in part because we care to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think they can do that. But a four-parter, I have no clue how they think they can make that compelling. Are they going to have it debut the Monday after the Ravens win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, that would be swell. I don't know when it would debut. I just I just don't know. I, this, this is one of the strangest announcements I've ever seen. It explains why we're doing this weird thing. Like, I, I, I was always confused by what this thing was next week that they're doing. With all, I'm like, this is not an anniversary of any sort. Like, why are we doing this random event with the 2000 Ravens in Baltimore? Like, it was... It was befuddling to me when it was announced. Um, so this explains that. Like, clearly they're going to be getting footage from this thing next week, and they're going to use it for that. They tied it into the relationship with Hard Knocks in the press release. Mm-hmm. Hard Knocks was the following year. But maybe they did Hard Knocks because of the 2000 Ravens. That, well, they did it with the Super Bowl champions. Yes, they, yeah. did, they did Hard Knocks that way, but they don't have, like, lost footage that – behind-the-scenes stuff they could share. They weren't there for the 2000 season. Mm-hmm. So I, I am – I get it. There were personalities on that team, and if you're inclined to watch to begin with, there might be some entertaining stuff that you get from the Shannon Sharps and the Tony Saragusas of the world. But, boy, this is weird, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm befuddled by it. Whereas you can give me a four-parter on Ray Lewis and – Constantly, this thing where we think we know. It, this is like this is like when somebody tells me that they don't need to see another Spider-Man movie. The story is compelling. A kid was bit by a spider and turned into a superhero. I don't care how many times you tell the story; it's compelling AF. That's Ray Lewis. I don't care what I think I know. I don't care how many conversations I've had with him. There's always another layer Who, to with it. Spider-Man. Yes, with Spider-Man. I've, I've, we've gotten to know each other very well over the years. He wears his hat every day. I do. Um, well, this is the Miles Morales Spider-Man, of course, that, uh, whose hat that I like to wear. Um, that is always a compelling story. And again, it requires him actually being willing to, to openly discuss something and not do the Ray Lewis brand thing. But if you're doing a 30 for 30, it's because that's what happened. So I, I can't. I'm befuddled by anyone who thinks the 2000 Ravens would be a more interesting four-part 30 for 30 than a Ray Lewis four-part 30 for 30. I can't fathom it. And I know that sometimes we get Ray Lewis out around here, but my God, like, I, here's watch, Sam Gash. Watch him get everybody here's, and just have it be a replay of Hard Knocks. Here's Ben Coates. Now What? Like, and I like those guys. Good guys. Happy they won a Super Bowl in Baltimore. I love them. But I just cannot fathom what is supposed to make, you know, Sam Adams compelling to watch in the course of a, a 30 for 30. I don't, I don't get that at all. Uh, uh, this is us, or are you watching the trial? All right. Um, I gave This Is Us a chance for a good long while. Drew's absolutely right. All the crap that happens to this family is ridiculous. From um, the the from Toby having a heart attack. I can't attack believe to, I can't to, believe that you watched this show. I did for a little bit. Um, to oh their kid God. being born blind, to their father dying in a fire, saving the family and the dog, and and like 
like uh, and now their mom and then their mom gets uh dementia uh, and she keeps getting lost and like all the stuff that happens to this family that does not happen to every family it's like the biggest run of bad luck ever um give me the trial okay. uh, is, i i stopped watching the show because i couldn't take it anymore give me the trial i i I feel like I would have to watch the. I, I none of it. You know, I'd, this is all equally. I have done everything in my power to avoid every single thing that has been said about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard because I do not care. Look, I if if people did awful things, I hope that they they figure out how to solve it. But mm-hmm. I don't care, and you can't get me to care. And it feels. Like I, my skin turns. We just the got you the care because you went to look at the amber uh, at, at the uh, amber herd bump. I I did look at that. You're right about that. I'm out now. I act. I, oh my god! I can't believe I'm saying this. I actually think in the end I'd probably have to choose the stupid show because maybe there's a chance there's something redeemable about it. I don't know. You can't get me to care oh, I, about I forgot this to mention My wife. Oh my god! Every, I don't know why she cares, but every day. When I get home, she's sharing something else with. Did you see this? No, I didn't. I don't care. And who's the Cara Delavigna chick that everybody's talking about? Who is that? It's nothing to do with the trial. It's another thing that everybody's talking about. On Cara, there's a model from Britain. She was at the whatever the the music awards were this weekend, and she was acting like a weirdo. And everybody's talking about it on social media. You can't get me to pretend to care about this. You can't do it. I don't care how many tweets you send. I don't care how screwed up the algorithms are. I'm not gonna care. But they're trying. They're doing their damnedest to get me to. And uh, number three, on the road or at, at home on the 31st? On the road. Get him here. He should be here by now. I'll go to the game on the 31st just it's because. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for me. Here. I think it would be insane for them as an organization to do it on the road. I think it would be absolutely bat-ass nuts and would make me ask some questions about the the hierarchy and the, the leadership structure of the organization, mm-hmm. that they would do this on the road. But I get it. What the F are we doing with this guy continuing to play in the minors? I had somebody say, do you think it would be... I'm trying to remember. I, we got a bunch. Yeah, we more Facebook responses. But most of you on Facebook are not really giving us thoughts. Just answering the question very quickly. Um, oh, God, who was it? Somebody said, is there any chance that it takes some of the pressure off of him to debut on the road? I mean, if that's... it Again, if these are the things that we're dealing with, if these are the things that we're worried about, there are bigger problems, man. There are bigger problems if you're worried about how much pressure he feels. Correct. This is the dude that will make or break this. This is the guy. If you're worried about how much debuting at home would would impact his psyche or whatever, there are far bigger problems. And maybe there are. But we got to acknowledge that. Continue to give me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio for Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. If you missed Simply the Bets yesterday, you can find it right now, Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. Click on the Videos tab. We do Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140 a.m., brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And tomorrow morning at 1140 a.m., it is Weekend at Bookies, also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Weekend at Bookies tomorrow, Simply the Bets every Tuesday, all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. We come back in. We will get a tidbit and two, but to wrap it up, Glenn Clark Radio.
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks man. the champ drew mcintyre oh, thank you for having me the great ron simmons Damn. keith lee appreciate you guys having me man bill goldberg my pleasure charlotte thank you so much for having me mick foley is with us this is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Go. Le Champion! Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio all right winding down for a would you rather wednesday edition of gcr let's get a tidbit tidbit is brought to you today by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Again, lots of great events coming up this month, including the playoffs and the Indianapolis 500 and Gervonta Davis, Rolando Romero, and the UEFA Champions League final. And, you know, they'll be showing the Preakness on Saturday, as we've said a couple times. You can't, unfortunately, bet on the Preakness in the FanDuel Sportsbook because of the uh, laws in the state of Maryland, but they will be showing the race on Saturday. 
It's always a great time to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook. 61 self-service kiosks. Email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to reserve your spot for any of these upcoming events. All right, so last night Aaron Judge went four for five against the Orioles with two homers, a double, and a single coming up a triple shy of the cycle, which is obviously the hardest leg of the cycle to get. This coming a week after Kristen Yelich had hit his third cycle for his career, oddly enough, all of them against the Cincinnati Reds. When Yelich did it, he became the fifth player since the live ball era began in 1920 to compile three cycles in his career. The other four players being Bob Meisel, okay. Adrian Beltre. I was like, oh, you can make me guess because no, there's no chance. Babe Herman and Trey Turner. And he's also just... Babe Herman, who is not George Herman, Babe Ruth. No. It's a different thing Div- altogether. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting. Right. Um, and Yelich also became just the second player along with Bob Meisel. And I'm sorry, not Bob Meisel. Um, You're giving a lot of love to Bob Meisel today. This is, a, this is, this is his moment. He's been uh, waiting for this. He's also the first player since the... Li- no, I'm sorry, the second player in the live ball era along with Babe Herman to do it twice in the same season. It's Babe Herman and Ma- Bob Meisel today. Babe Herman was a damn good player. If he's you not say in the so. Hall of Fame. Um, anyway... It got me to thinking about the Orioles and the cycles that they have hit. Five Orioles have yes. hit for the cycle in yes. the history of the franchise. Can you name them? Well, of course, the greatest player in the history of the franchise, Felix P.A. Felix P.A., correct. Right. Um, uh, Cal. Mm-hmm. Aubrey Huff. Mm-hmm. The most loved player in the history of the franchise. I want to say Brooks. Brooks did it. I'm trying to remember who the fifth one is. I feel like I made this way too easy. i got to come with a hard one tomorrow. That's what wow. she said. That actually, that actually was. I don't know. I shouldn't laugh at that, but I. It God worked. Damn you. <laughs> uh, the fifth, the other player to hit for the cycle, was. It was older, right? It was. Um, no. Fairly recently. Fairly recently. Who am I forgetting about? Who am I forgetting about? He's still playing, just not for the Orioles. Oh, uh, VR, right? Yep, yeah, VR. VR did in yeah, that's right. Man, you talk, hadn't told me it was more recent than. Talk about <laughs> when they had the juiced baseballs. That year, he hit a home run like 463 feet to dead center field. Like, Jonathan VR, of all people, hitting a ball almost 470 feet. Get the hell out of here. That's, that, is. that was that was too easy. I got I I got I got I mean, it's something that's memorable. That's the pro- like. I, and again, VR, I didn't remember at first, and I would not have gotten head because I was thinking it was older. I had forgotten that it was on newer. The, the the like I, I remember PA and Huff specifically, and I, I, I basically because of PA and Huff, I remember Callen Brooks because at the time I remember them this being listed mm-hmm. i just what year was vr that would have been nine, 2019 19 yeah i i don't even know if i was watching like i it's the type of thing would have been hard to i was yeah well i mean his uh his single i believe was an infield hit well how about that he didn't have three infield hits in a game like adam hall did or though. trey mancini yeah, didn't have trey that. mancini had three infield hit, hits earlier this year all right uh tubular is brought to you by the baltimore police join a proud new generation of baltimore police make an active difference in your community Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. As we mentioned earlier, Orioles-Yankees, 7 o'clock tonight on Masson, Garrett Cole, Jordan Lyles. Masson 2 for Nationals-Marlins, 640. MLB Network, Braves-Brewers at 1. Diamondbacks-Dodgers at 4. Cardinals-Mets at 7. Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals tonight at 9 on TNT for the Mavericks and Warriors. I, I'm going to talk about that 
a little bit. And there's going to be a, I got a, the timing for when we're doing our um, uh, live casino and hotel videos this week is not ideal because I absolutely was on the Lightning going into their series against the Panthers and they won game one and I 100% would have bet that at a better number. Now, look, I don't know. They lost game one in the last series and they won the series anyway. So I, there's no guarantee, but I 1,000% would have bet that at a really good number. ESPN Rangers Hurricanes game one tonight at 7. Oilers Flames game one at 9.30. D.C. United against uh, New York City FC tonight at 7.30 on NBC Sports Washington. TBS for AEW Dynamite tonight at 8. Non-sports highlights? Uh, yeah, and I think Andy Samberg's hilarious. He's gonna, I enjoy Andy He's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight. What's he doing? What's he plugging? I have no What's clue. Going on? Well, now I'm excited about that. What's he got going on? Um... Then on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Tim McGraw, who I'm also a fan of, is going to be on there. Not, not, not quite as much there. And then a new uh, Netflix documentary, Cyber Hell, Exposing an Internet Horror, uh, premiering on Netflix today, which sounds cool. I'm, that- I'm interested to check it out. Oh, he's doing, Chip- he's doing the Chippendale movie. Oh. That's not nearly... He's, no. still, he's still going to be funny. I'm um, Andy Samberg. There's no chance that I will see Stare that picture. the maggot no draw. Problem with Andy Samberg is um, the people are unafraid to, s- or they're they're not they're too afraid to say that Hot Rod stunk, which it stunk. It was terrible. Um, I but, thought it was wildly entertaining. Yes, of course you did, and so did uh, uh, Limp Biscuit. No, well, yes, you did enjoy Limp Biscuit. Uh, so did uh, uh, Kyle and I used to get in fights about it all the time because he would get so mad. Because I like Andy Samberg. It's so stupid but, that it's funny. But that's the problem. It's it's just stupid. Like it's it's n- there's no redeeming quality about Hot Rod. And you don't you want to pretend like Andy Samberg didn't have the stretch of his career where he wanted to be Adam Sandler and was in dreadful motion pictures. I also enjoyed of it. that's my boy. That that's grotesque. That you is hated a grotesque them. I know, and I know why you hated the statement for you to make. By the way, finally saw Licorice Pizza the other day. Speaking of grotesque, hell of a film you guys made. You telegraph the entire time that it's ultimately going to be a story about statutory rape. You explain how awful it will be when it becomes a story about statutory rape, but you just do it anyway and try to romanticize it at the end. Irredeemable film. This sucks. Wretched motion picture. Wretched motion picture. And it, it's through the same people that love Almost Famous because they don't want to acknowledge what it's really saying. They just want it to be a silly movie about songs that they like. Yeah, but they were all singing Tiny Dancer in a, in a bus together. That was great. No, the film sucked. It sucked. And I was caught up in it 20 years ago, too, and thought it was good when it came out because I was a dummy. And then I watched it again a few years ago and was like, oh, my God, what did I think I liked? This is a horrible film. Licorice Pizza stinks. Who's in Licorice Pizza? But I Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid oh. is the male lead. So nobody I'd recognize. The female lead is the lead singer from the group uh, Heim. Heim? What are the, the, the three sisters? Scowl? They're all in a band. No, it's not Scout. They're very good. Heim, I believe. They did the the, the, the song The Wire a couple years ago that everybody liked. Um, but then it's got like Bradley Cooper's in it. And, uh, I, I, I um, remember seeing the preview. Okay, you see in the preview, he does this whole thing about his girlfriend being Barbara Streisand. Like that's that's the scene that they did in the trailer. Who else was it? Sean Penn was in it. Um, it's got a good cast. The movie is the problem. The film is wretched, and nobody wants to acknowledge how wretched it is. They just don't want to have the conversation. It's a wretched film. 
that's all I have to say about that. Forrest Gump. All right. Uh, thanks today to who joined the show today? Drew joined the show today. That was our big one. Adam thanks Hall. to uh, Adam Hall. Thanks to Muggsy Bogues. And thanks to Jonathan Mayo. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the archives. And if I remember correctly, a big day tomorrow with Stuff and Things. Stuff and Things on the program tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Uh, thanks to Griffin. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. And thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan is how you follow him. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.